Hi, this is Michelle Fife, creator of Copra, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Oh, there was a neat little exhaust noise at the end yeah, of that, that I'm leaving it in. I'm, I'm hoping that the echo captures it, because that'll be super cool. That'd be hot. I love stuff like that, yes. Tony was all apologetic last week about uh, his dog breathing and the chain and stuff. I was Aww. like, no, that's fine. Damn. Like, tapping and shit Jeez. is not good. This has come a long way since, since Onyx knowing at the bottom of a microphone stand. I was like, oh, it's Tony? I don't want that. That dog's fine. <laughs> I got nothing. Mm. But you definitely have something in your ears. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 882. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B, Squeaky. I am David A. Price. I need a new chair. This is true. And of course, I am Optimus Primal. Oh, you saw it? I saw it in the theater. So did we. Oh, well, we saw it last weekend. But I watched it yesterday. I rewatched it. I'm the odd man out. I didn't see it. No shit. Well, it's on Paramount Plus now. Oh, yeah. excellent. Maybe after uh, we, we record, yeah. I'll watch it. Dude, yeah. I fucking love it. Like, I went to see it in theater and liked it a lot. So, uh, yeah, I watched it again yesterday, and I thought it was phenomenal. I think it's I, phenomenal. I, I mean, hear good things. I was I was in the kitchen watching it on, on the, the, the little Google display while I was working on dinner on Thursday, and I, I was really enjoying it. And I'm like, you know what? There are certain things in here I think I think Renee will dig, and so we watched it on we watched it Saturday evening, and, and she had a huge kick out of it. I, I was so happy. It's got uh, it's got a little sazon, a little flavor. Yes, it got a little. It's got a little hood to it. It's got the hip hop vibe. It's nice. It's it's yeah. I like it. We'll see, baby. We'll see. Yeah. The Maximals uh, have never been my favorites. Same. I actually thought when they announced it because the last few transformers weren't that good, right? I thought, oh, I'm like, I'm like, man, it's even further away from anything I'm interested in. But um, you know, it's one of those movies. I think we just like we're looking to go see it, and we and I really I. I I don't I have almost no exposure to the Beast Wars cartoons or comics, so I, I don't know much about them. So I don't know how different they are in this movie than the way they're presented in the comics. But uh, but I thought they fit in well here. I mean, no different than the Dinobots. Like the way they explained their existence made sense, and they were all distinctive and really good voice actors. And yeah, I liked it. And the now, main characters are still it's still Optimus and Bumblebee and Mirage. I mean, it's sure. it's the the the, the, the the um the the beasts are um, not like they're there, but they're not yeah. there front and center. Yeah. Uh, yes. Now now I I still haven't seen Bumblebee. How does that rate next to it? I liked. I mean, I liked Bumblebee for what it was. I mean, that was much more of a um like a um to me that was movie was much more about uh, uh what's her name um Hawkeye what's her name uh, was it Haley yeah Haley Snake like, it's more of like you know I mean. The, like yes, it's a Transformers movie, but that was to me more of a like it was about the the human actors. Whereas I think this is oh, okay. this was much more about the you know nice. to me this yep. was much more of a Transformers movie. I mean Unicron's yes. in it. It was fucking great. Unicron. Oh, it was. It was great. It was great. It's not a spoiler, dude. I mean it's, it's <laughs> Unicron's in the opening scene. Like it's not like well, I've never seen the opening scene. All right, it's in the trailers too. It's uh, I did, sorry for spoiling it. <laughs> no, I know, I know he's in the trailers. I know 
it's in the trailers. And you know what? You want to get some Transformers graphic novels? You just go right to cheapgraphicnovels.com. Cheapgraphicnovels.com, right there in the name. Omnibus edition, graphic novels, uh, collected editions, manga. They have it all. My guy had a killer Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale going on, too. Yes, I partook. I know you did. Yeah. And you can too. Just go over there and buy something and you will get an email confirmation. You're going to reply to that email confirmation saying 11 o'clock comics sent me. And then you'll get free shipping on your second order. I hope Tony talked to him because Tony had a good idea. Tony's like, why don't you just get a code? I I made like the old man. I said, I don't know because Max didn't give us a code. Mm But um, in lieu of a code, just do what I tell you to do. Go to CheapGraphicNovels.com and you will save massively. You'll, Hugely. You'll, yes, you will. Um, I have a trio of beverages. Oh, shit. Yes. <clears throat> Let me get them here. All from the same brewing company. This is called Founders. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Mm. I'm drinking a Founders All Day Haze Session Hazy IPA. I'm drinking an All Night IPA, which is a Session Black IPA. And last, but certainly not least, I'm drinking an All Day Chill Day. Not Chill Dish. Chill Day Session Cold IPA. Okay. Yes. Damn. And they all taste distinctly different from one another? I don't know. I'm only on the first one. Here we go. We just started recording. It's true. Give me a little bit little bit of time. No, not this week. Last week I did. Nice. Heartbreak will do that to you. Yeah. I am drinking... Well, you heard me crack it open. I'm finished it now, though. I just had a lovely... Cologne, La Cologne, uh, with oat milk, uh, can of, of, of coffee. And, uh, and now I've got a really nice glass of mandarin orange seltzer. <laughs> nice. Going hard tonight. Yeah, I'm going hard. Going, going at it. Tis the season. It's a work day, you know. Uh, that is true. Oh, well, speaking of tis the season, um, I have decided to, uh, bust open some of the uh, holiday capsules and uh, this is the mistletoe margarita oh it's a uh, it's 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 kind of uh, it's very pomegranate-y uh, but there's uh, and, and you got a little bit of those uh, those holiday spices thrown in the base the base spirit is is tequila so I can enjoy tequila when it's like smothered with so much other crap and and this is um it's not too sweet uh it's not um it's not making me loopy or anything like that but it is it's extremely good and i already have uh next week's beverage picked out so tis the season nice i saw a commercial for the bartesian last week oh nice yeah it's the first time i actually ever saw it in action They've got a couple now. They've got uh, they've got like a, a, a duet. Well, that so no, so like the I original... didn't know they had like the different the different silos with the liquors that go in. They show yep. that all, like, and then you get the little packets that look look like Nespresso capsules that have got the drink and yeah. stuff. It's oh. yeah, science. It's pretty science. neat. Yeah, technology. It's a wonderful thing. 
And this is another wonderful thing because it is our Book of the Month episode, y'all. And we will be focusing on Ice Cream Man, Volume 1, Rainbow Sprinkles, written by W. Maxwell Prince, illustrated by Martine Morazzo, and color art by Chris O'Halloran. Now, before we get into it, I think I want to mix it up a little bit. Can I mix it up oh, a little please bit? Please do, please. A little bit, because I want to talk to David about something. Oh. I may, I may lose you in the process, but okay. because I'm just going to flit, I'm just going to lightly touch upon this because he hasn't hasn't read it yet. I just want to tell him the setup on a book I bought today. Oh, okay. Yeah, just keep things lively. You know what I mean? We'll get to the book of the month. It's oh, going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Okay, so you're okay. You're <laughs> you're veering off to it. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're going completely Very quickly, very quickly, maybe. Uh, This is a book written and illustrated by Fred C. Stressing, colored by Meg Casey. Guess who did the letters? Oh, it's Crank. Yes, it's Crank. This is from the world of Rick and Morty, and it's called Me Seeks P.I., number one. Dap, the setup of this book will have you giggling. Okay. Jerry loses the remote to the interdimensional cable. Oh, no. Can't find it, and he thinks Rick is going to absolutely annihilate him for losing it. So he's, he's, he's distraught. He's going through the house, looking for the remote, can't find it, stumbles upon a cache of Meeseeks. So he said, what the hell, right? Why not? I'll, I'll give this Me Seeks a try. And in classic Mel Brooks, Young Frankenstein fashion, he picks one up and there's a post-it on it that he believes says Detective Me Seeks, but it's a defective Me Seeks. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so the hilarity ensues. And from I, I I've never seen Meeseeks in an actual episode, but what I'm oh the gist I'm getting is that the longer they take to solve whatever task they've been um, released for, they get progressively more insane. Yeah, a little ornery. Yeah, definitely they 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 start to they start to lose touch with reality. The Meeseeks box basically you just you press the button. Meeseeks shows up, and you give it a task. That's right. all they live for. And then once that task is complete, they just poof away out yes. of existence. Well, this Meeseek has a trench coat and a fedora. And he's trying to help Jerry find the missing remote. And takes them off planet. Why the the remote would be off planet is anybody's guess. But then again, it is Rick and Morty. So, But hilarious. And while they're looking for the remote, the interdimensional cables in the background, and it's the Steely show. Have you ever seen Steely? No. Steely steals oh things. <laughs> he steals things. He, oh. He, he oh look, okay. He Does looks he wear like a best. Yeah, he's got like like yeah, a bunch of pockets. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. And he goes, "Hey, let, I'm Steely. Today we're going to go visit the elderly and steal them." <laughs> Jesus. So, I mean, there's something wonderful in your future. The uh, the first uh, me six appear in the first season, like episode four or five, and oh. everybody 
when uh, Rick's got something to do with Morty, so the family's like dealing with their shit. So so Rick's just like, all right, fine. Here's a Me Six box. It'll fix all your shit. And um, Summer wants to be popular at school, and Beth is looking for validation whether or not her marriage is is worth sticking with. Jerry wants strokes taken off his golf game and that's the most impossible fucking thing because he just won't listen and so every every time every two seconds like the me seeks is hitting the button so that they'll activate a me seeks so that they'll also help and it's like just there's 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 just a ton there's a plethora of me seeks running around and they're all slowly losing their shit because they've been around too long it's it's an insane episode nice so there you go and it's from oni if i didn't Hey, why don't we just run, run right into a, a lengthy discussion of the new Doctor Who special? Just, I haven't, just... I haven't seen it yet. Oh darn, it's good. But I, I, mean, I, I would... just make this whole episode about stuff that I. Well, no, I. <laughs> wow, jeez. So I want, much. I wanted to give my my brother Dap a a four color hug, knowing that he is going to enjoy, enjoy this and just entice him to get his ass to the comic shop. Nice. Yes. It's wonderful, Dap. And I think it's a four-issue miniseries. So I think you're right. Yeah. Book of the Month. Ice Cream Man, Volume 1, Rainbow Sprinkles. Jason, ask your question. Vince, when is the first time that you read Ice Cream Man, number one through four? With the arrival of the Sunday edition. Because... This is the I, first one, so that was what, like, probably like uh, twenty, early twenty twenty two. Actually, I got it well past its publication date because I wasn't a, uh, an ice cream man convert for whatever reason. I, I, I mean, I knew of the book's existence, but I never mm-hmm. uh, sampled it. And uh, this is not a book that you can just read an issue of somewhere in the chain. You have to start from the beginning with this book. Um, it's one of those titles that I. I, I I worry about the shelf life of the single issues because if you don't read this in collections, I can't see anyone buying three issues and another one like somewhere down the chain and being like, oh, I wonder what happens in between because you could never tell. Like it, it, all the stories are relatively self-contained. They, they they're linked thematically somewhere within the 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 run of the book, but. They're they're not consecutive, right? It's a strange beast. It doesn't play by the the sequential the the periodical rule, right? Amazing Spider-Man 123 picks up where 122 left off, right? This is not that kind of a uh, a periodical. So yes, I read it when I eventually picked up the Sunday edition. All right, and now I buy it in singles. Uh, first time I read any Ice Cream Man was last weekend for this episode. Excellent. Uh, well, I was about to say Samesies, but I actually read whatever issue that was that Vince asked me to read with the whale. Yes. On its own. Phenomenal. Phenomenal issue. That was a few months ago. So I read that, but but this is the first time. Yeah, a few days ago is when I the first time I read Ice Cream Man one through four. Yeah, and that issue I believe it was like say thirty five or thirty six, whatever, has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with what we just read. Right. Well, except, right. right, except for the Ice Cream Man being. Yeah, in, yeah. that's it. I mean, he's he is the the central character 
but uh, as far as uh, a, a joined narrative that continues over the course of X many issues, there's not. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I really like this book because it doesn't play by the rules. Mm-hmm. It does not uh, condescend. It doesn't take the reader's intelligence. Uh, it doesn't belittle the reader's intelligence. There's no recaps. There's no, hey, remember this dude from issue three? There's none of that. You either pay attention or you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that. I like being on my toes. Forced yeah. to be keep you beaten. honest. Yes. Yeah. So what? what I mean, what are what are our, our? You you mentioned that you were a late convert, and what's interesting about that, right, is that well, a this is a book that's had strong advocacy within our community. Yes. A, a lot of our EOC faithful and our patrons have adored this book from jump. Uh, and I think are probably very gratified that we're finally talking about it. Um, but two, it's a horror, or it's billed at least as a horror anthology. And so you would have thought that that would be something you for sure would have checked out. So why were you a con- late convert to it? While it is a horror anthology occasionally, I don't think, I think it's it's a melange of genres. I think it, it's a whole bunch of things all mashed, mashed together. And I wouldn't call it a horror anthology. I would call it a storytelling anthology because the focus is mm-hmm. on storytelling. I agree. Compartmentalized, short, being one issue, stories, which are infinitely more difficult to create than an extended narrative. If mm-hmm. it, It's like a band. How do you you know, plug into that magic three minutes and 25 second single that's going to really cure the world's ills. That's that's the, the question, right? How do you do that little bite-sized thing that satisfies? When you only have 20, 22 pages to do it, something has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, and be, uh, hopefully, captivate the reader to want to come back for more. That's very difficult. I mean, Marvel and DC used to do it all the time way back in the day. Things have changed. Now, it, you know, with the advent of the the direct market and trade paperbacks, all that went out the window, you know. But I, I, I think it's a very, very strange beast, and I love it because of that. You, you can't – there's no elevator pitch for Ice Cream Man. Right. I have one. But I don't want to spill the beans this early in in the discussion. But I think there is a there's a belief system at work within all of this that you may be surprised to learn the uh, the nature of. But we'll get there. I just might be crazy. Who knows? But I see mm-hmm. it, and uh, I bet you Jefferson sees it. So we'll see. We'll see. So what did you guys think about this? I, I, from Jason's demeanor right now, I'm guessing it did not click with him. Um, well, let me start by saying I love Morales' art. I think the art's fantastic. Um, it reminds me of if 
we took our good friend Ryan Brownie and Steve Dillon and put them in a room together and had them have prison love until one of them procreated a child, it would be Morazzo. <laughs> within the world of the ice cream man, that's probably possible. Exactly. That is, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, 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 Morazzo is Ryan Brown and, and Steve Dillon's love child. Um, <laughs> but that works for me because I like both of those artists very much. Um, so I really dig the art, and I think it definitely fits the the aesthetic of the book, right? I mean, um, it, like it, it seems like one of those perfect fits. Um, he's a versatile storyteller. He can, like you said, this book is really hard to define, both in terms of genre and vibe, and, and even setting. So he doesn't. Like, he's seemingly able to draw just about anything. So credit to him there. Um, can I contribute to that assessment? Of course. Yeah. I don't see Dylan in this. I see Rizzo. Oh yeah, I don't see that. But okay, you, you don't see Eduardo Rizzo? No. Okay, I mean, you know, I love Rizzo, so I'm, I'm not like I'm not like saying it's not there. I just didn't see it. No, well, I mean, I I just back up my my claims. Strong mm-hmm. blacks, okay, clean, single width, uh, not single width, but clean fixed width line. Mm-hmm. That's where I get the Rizzo from. Mm-hmm. I'm with the sure. I mean, listen, I like the art, so that's a high compliment, um, for sure. Uh, I think that I'm with you, like. I like the idea of this being um, unpredictable because too much of, of, of comics in general is familiar. Um, and we don't have to go down that road again, but that's as much a we problem as it is the genre's problem. Sure. We've been reading comics for a long time. Um, so it's just hard to surprise us. And so this book definitely leans that way, which is great. So those are two big pluses for it. Um, I think, though, for me... Um, it didn't click in the sense that I read, I, I think I read nine issues. So I, I read, um, even though we were only, this is four we're talking about, but I, I read the first nine and, um, I, I thought each story was fine, but you know how like in an anthology, if, if you, if you, if when we read anthologies, there's often like a couple stories that you just adore a couple that are like completely like, eh, but you just take them because they're anthology and you're like, Oh, and then there's a few maybe that are in the middle and you're like, okay. Yeah. And so overall it's kind of feels like it was worth your time. This just felt a lot like ants for me. Like none of the stories had like, um, I guess I was, ex- and this could just be because I was expecting something that I shouldn't have, which is I was expecting a bit more of a, of a twilight zone or a little bit of a hook. Like, where the the each issue is gonna give you some kind of like aha moment or like a moral story or like a you know a, a twist that would just remind you of 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 those classic stories like that or even like the creepy and eerie stuff right where like there's kind of a little bit of a, of a moral or a satire to it a little point that they're trying to make that's not really here they're just weird stories at least it seemed to me and maybe as this as the series goes on and as I understand it, it does connect more and more but like I, I just, I thought each one individually was fine, but I didn't think any of them, I didn't go like, oh, that's clever. I was just like, okay, okay, weird, weird mm-hmm. kid with a spider, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, it's like, so, and so for me, it left me just feeling a little bit unsatisfied. Like I, like I had a, a meal that was fine, but I'm not going to remember it a week later. Yeah. Well, I think Prince is really playing the long game with mm-hmm. this, with this series. But uh, initially, I thought it very much akin to DC's Flinch anthology from back in the day couldn't speak to it okay uh where it was it was horror themed but more updated 
and uh, visceral, like like these stories. But uh, I don't think that anymore. Uh, this is its own little sacred little animal, and uh, I I don't know. I I I love this series mm-hmm. just because. You know me. If anybody throws the middle finger up to convention, I'm down with it. I, sure. I, I appreciate the gesture, and if they can back it up with with some some real uh, substance, some content that that uh, enthralls me on some level. And uh, again, if I haven't seen a certain thing before or have, haven't experienced a, a type of story before, that's even better to me. Mm-hmm. At this point in the game, we've seen. I don't want to, you know, lean on the fence and talk to while I'm cutting the grass. But at this point, we've seen a whole mess of the same kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You can't say that this series is like anything we've ever read in comics. Specifically, like you can't point to a book and say, oh, it's it's early creepy. No, it's not. Or, you know, like I said, flinch or mm-hmm. or another like another uh, well-known horror anthology. It, it, it's not EC. You know, it, it doesn't rely on standard horror tropes. Uh, it, it's just a strange thing. And, and I'm, I'm as much confused by it as I am enthralled by it. I, I, I'm not going to say 100% that I know what's going on or, mm-hmm. or you know, I, I know where the story's going. I have no idea. Every issue comes out and it's just like, what the hell is he doing? Like with with the whale, like that's not like the issue before. And it, the one that came after was not like the whale stories. It's like, he, it's almost like exercise, he, like Prince writes himself or, or devises plots and tries to make them work in x amount of pages challenges himself to come up with something on like like if he has like a random theme generator okay this week rabid gerbils okay what am i gonna do i gotta write a story about a rabid gerbil and and he comes out he comes up with some kind of scenario interesting challenging about a rabid gerbil and it, that's what i get with with every issue like that that the the writer is enjoying devising these out of the norm stories for we who are entertained by them it it, it seems as much as it is a work of sequential art it seems like um a monthly exercise in writing if that makes any sense, it does. It does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird pitch. Like, like again, how do you sell this series to someone who hasn't read it? Mm-hmm. There's no little bite-sized nugget that that tells. Oh, yeah, it's about this agent of chaos that that is posing as a, an ice cream man. Like, what does that even mean? Right, like a horror host. Right, in this case, the horror host is the, is the affirmative, is the titular ice cream man, but. Yeah, and yeah, and, we're, and again, this is. I think we're at we're up to we're close to fifty issues on this now, right? I mean, it's in the high thirties. Okay. Oh, okay. But but either way, I mean, it's it's. Um, so I'm sure we learn more, but but in this, he he, I don't know what he is. I mean, he's obviously supernatural, but is he malevolent? Is he benevolent? Is he whatever he feels oh, like being? Oh, I like- don't think he's benevolent at all. No. 
Yeah, but I don't right. But is he malevolent? I don't like who is he? Is he is he a demon? Is he a god? Is he is he a, a werewolf? Like what is that? Yeah. <laughs> Why does he shape shift? So, right, so, well, <laughs> so when the when 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 the book when the series yeah the, the, the shape and that's so that's the first issue though it's like the, the like he, he he sees him in the woods and and obviously you know with the clothes the way they are or the remnants of them we know what's going on but. That's the only time that really happens. Yes, my man warps his his body. It it, it he, he become very Junji Ito esque at, at times. But there are, um, I I wanted to know because at first you know you, the first trade is just the first four issues and 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 it's basically it's kind of just like hey, it's not like he's Rod Sterling where he's hosting a story. He's part of it or he's there in the background, but we're all in 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 this world that that he's, he's he's messing with these people with if you want to call it that but up until the end of the fourth issue these are kind of just done in one stories that are connected somewhat either just by his jingle or or uh maybe a, a detective that we'll see somewhere down the line and that and that's i'll, I'll get to the nickname in a second but Jason, did you, at the end of the fourth issue, where we are introduced to Caleb, and not our bestie, but we're introduced to Caleb, and then we find out later on um, that uh, it's um, Ricardus is is Ice Cream Man. But with the introduction of of his... um, Basically, his 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 antithesis did that. Did that change anything for you as far as the series or, or where it might be going? Um. Well, I mean, it's tough because I mean, theoretically, we're only talking about the first four issues, and yeah. and, the, and at the end of the fourth issue, we're just he's kind of just introduced as the Dark Man. We don't we know that he's in some way adversarial to the Ice Cream. I mean, look alike, so I thought they were twins. Right. We know that he's adversarial. We know that he's at least it alludes that he may be higher up on whatever food chain it is because he's kind of there keeping an eye on things. Um, but we don't know anything more than that now as the series goes on. I mean, like I said, every nine issues, you get you get a little more insight into it. Um, and that probably would, so my answer to that would be yes, if you keep reading. Um, but um, again, like, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this off by saying like, I didn't like the series. I think it's fine. I just don't, I just, I didn't, there wasn't a hook though. Like I wasn't like, Oh, like each of the stories individually I thought would be clever. Like I'd be like, Oh, that's really clever. And I guess to me, none of this was clever. And I thought the same when I read the, the whale issue, like I thought it was weird and I'm like, Oh, this is weird. But I didn't really understand what the point of it was. Like, I didn't think like I, there was no, I didn't like, I didn't get, I thought I missed the joke or not the joke, but the punchline or the point. I think, and I think the same here. Like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, okay. Like, like it's it's weird, kind of creepy, somewhat horror, tingy stuffs happening in this town. The ice cream man kind of like relishing in it. It seems like he has some role in it, whether he's causing it or just like feeding off of it. But it, I I didn't like it. Just didn't have the 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 like you said, Vince. It's like he he takes each he almost takes a random generator to make a story, and there's a talent to that. But like sure. to me, I'm grading you on like then whether you make a. a an entertaining, clever story, 
And I don't, for me, at the, at, there's nothing, there, there was nothing clever here. And again, maybe it's just me. I, maybe there, are, maybe that's, maybe that's an unfair um, requirement of it. But I guess because I've read so many books over the years that are these horror type anthologies, and like every one of them is in that format. Like you read the story, and it's like there's the aha at the end. Sometimes it hits it's hits flat because you've seen it a thousand times, but you but they're always attempting it. I don't know what he's attempting here. I don't. I, think, I don't. Other than just he's trying to like, you know, I'm sure you guys took creative writing at some point in your lives. I know my, you know, like Jackson took it last year in high school and loved it. Like where you just asked to clear your head and just like write from whatever comes to mind, almost like a Rorschach. There's value in that, but I don't think reading someone else's creative writing is all that engaging generally and i kind of felt like that i felt like okay yeah like it's because it's unusual and i didn't know what to expect i found it interesting and the art's excellent so i like i i'm not unhappy that we read it and like i said i read another five issues of it so it's not like i felt like it was a chore um but i can't say that i understand why it's you know pushing 40 plus issues and going strong and that it's like often i think for three or four years in a row now it's been in the in the running for best anthology and best horror series when we do the O'Closkers, you know, it always gets a lot of votes and I, I don't understand that. Like it's, it's, it seemed fine to me, but maybe, maybe but I just don't, the, the lack of hook is kind of perplexing to me. Like, I'm just not sure what the point of the book is. The lack of satisfaction is by design. Yeah. I, I, I come to that hundred percent. Yeah. And, that- and, and so, I, and I think again, this is why I say like, it's, I'm not, Sometimes we read a book and it's just like not for us, or I think, or even we might even say, at least in the way we just don't think it's bad, right? Like, like it's like I don't long like that book. It's not. That's not what this is. Like, I think you're right. I think he's. This is all very intentional. And if it's intentional, I think that you have to give him credit for executing his intention. And like, all you can ever ask a creator to do is put their work out there, whatever they intend it to be. I'm just saying that for me, it left me flat. Again, it didn't. I'm not unhappy. I read it, but it just left me flat. I didn't. I didn't. Like, if I never read another issue of this again, I'm fine. But like, if you guys said to me, "Let's do the Sunday edition, Volume Two for Book of the Month," like, I'd be like, okay. I mean, like, it's it's just it's kind of like there. It's in the it's in the middle of the of the stack of the millions of things that we have access to read to me. Right, but even if you look at the the, the obvious lack of satisfaction um there's no payoff to the issue with bud hickey where you have to beat mr conehead and his drippers you have to uh devise a a song that is going to just blast goodness into this realm and hickey can't do it and that's the end right he wasn't up to the challenge Right. Which plays into what I think is at the center of this whole series. Buddhism. Buddhism says that everything in life is based on suffering. Right? That's what I think the ice cream man is is doling out. He's doling out suffering. Right? There's three types, according to Buddhism. It's true. Um, Physical pain. The, the products of age, like uh, sickness, death, physical pain, that's one type of suffering. Mm-hmm. Then the, the, the second type is psychological pain, the things we inflict upon ourselves based on our mindset, like jealousy, envy, dependence, sadness, 
anger, pride, all that stuff. But the third is the suffering from just being alive. You are separated from the all. You exist in this meat bag and you're cut off from everything that is creation other than being human like the 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 cosmic all that that people talk about in, in the human shell you're removed from that so that causes innate suffering whether you know it or not and i think the he even there's even a a, a passage in an issue i don't even remember which one it was but where the word suffering is explicitly used in connection with or around what the ice cream man is doing at that time so i think if you look at the list of what the ice cream man is he's not human he's definitely not human he has this rival in caleb that doesn't seem to be human either they they pop out and they pop into scenarios seemingly at will in in the issue where karen fucks up his van it's fine like not long after he seems to yeah. have uh, an endless supply of of tools of whatever trade that he's doing. I think this is just... Yeah, I mean, he's clearly able to... He's like a, a matter shifter. He can seemingly turn anything into anything else. Right. And the like, snaps his fingers. Here's yeah. a double scoop of chocolate. Lickety-split. And he seems to be an a being of some kind of power whose role it is to disperse suffering well, that's really thoughtful that makes a lot of sense i didn't come to that conclusion reading these issues but i mean that makes what you're saying makes perfect sense it actually does kind of frame it in a more interesting light and you see all of those types all all three types of suffering are present within the four issues and, and it's very it's very specific you have karen and jim who are junkies they're dependent. They have a need. They have a desire to erase the pain of just being alive with this, these drugs, right? Then you have um, uh, the, 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 the old couple, Alice and Phil. Phil's complaining, oh, my body's deteriorating. My joints hurt. I got my spines all fucked up. And, and she's making him soup, and he complains that it's cold. Like, th- these are just, these are basic the things that are generated in life on a daily basis, right? And it just seems like then you have Bud, who was on top at one point in his life. He has this this need to reclaim whatever that self-imposed elevation was in his life, and he can't do it. He's suffering because he has this guilt or, or this performance anxiety. Like Everybody in this series is suffering to some extent. And it and Ice Cream Man seems to be at the center of it all. And he even offers um, uh, Karen, "Hey, look at this. I don't know what kind of drug it was. Could have been heroin. Um, I got this drug for you. But here's the catch: it's only for one person." And she takes it and overdoses, thinking that that Jim, you know, was either going to make it through his his withdrawal stage or or not. But she's selfish and takes it for herself. And in doing so, she dies. She overdoses. And he was the one that gave that to her. Like, where did that drug come from? Did it just pop up? Obviously it did, but how is that even possible? So, I mean, yeah, I think he's a he's a, an agent of chaos specifically suffering. 
It's deep, dude. Yeah, that makes sense. 100%. Now I'm wondering if uh, if our man Maxwell Prince is a Buddhist. Who knows? But the reason why I said Jefferson is, is keyed into all this. So he would he would probably, I don't know if he even reads this. Uh, he would probably pick up on it right away. Who, you guys, I, have to, I don't but someone on our Slack is the diehard acolyte of this book. Do you remember who? Probably whoever nominated it, but... It's either Caleb or Brian. No, 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 no. It's, 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 no, no. It's, it's, there's someone on that's not there as active but that did like, this is their favorite comic of like all time. Oh, right, right, right. It's not Pete. Um, is it Ian? I, I want to th- Oh, I yes, Ian. Ian. Maybe Ian. Yes, I think Ian, this is. Yeah, someone's knows. always like big enough yeah. every, every issue yeah. there. It was like, oh man, you guys get on. Get Sorry on. for not knowing that right off the bat. I'm a dickhead. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it because it's so odd that lends me to believe there has to be something within the dna of this book that that weaves all of these stories together what what is the central damn theme and you read four issues and you're pretty much convinced that it's got to be suffering <laughs> and the the uh the uh jollyo right and her and her partner she's on the job and her partner dies gets bit by a spider like these are just weird weird occurrences it doesn't happen every day and the the this boy byron his parents just die because of this creature he introduced into the family unit and does it does he he obviously feels some kind of guilt for that because when the ice cream man gives him the ice cream he's like hey he says something about his parents or go home you know your family's probably looking for and he's just like yeah I don't have one of those because I'm stupid and introduced the, one of the world's most poisonous spiders to a uh, a residence. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I I, I kind of love this book. The it does it requires you to go beyond just reading. You have to be an active participant in the book. You have to try and take these chunks of or these fragments of, of, of stories and piece them together and see like, like, a, like uh, the internal workings of a clock. Like how do all these gears fit together to get this thing to start telling me some time, right? I don't know. Uh, I, I find much more uh, enjoyment in something like this than I don't want to point fingers, but your, your, your usual stuff, right? That, that is, it, it's candy and it makes us happy during the period we read it but a book like this you take it with you long after you've 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 consumed it right it sticks because it's so freaking odd doesn't play by the rules it's just it's a it's it's way beyond alternative like this is i i would never have assumed that this would be an image book i mean it wasn't it be such a long-running book right yeah it seems to have connected which is great keep making them the last couple have not come out on schedule. They've been late. And I think it was the, the, the bestiary issue that kind of fucked things up because that was a um, – it's like a D&D type um, mm-hmm. monster manual. And I think that put the, the kibosh on the schedule because it was so different from everything, again, that came before and after. But, yeah, I look forward to it every month. Uh, yeah, I mean, to your point, I think there's been thirty, like you said, thirty six issues, and it launched in January two thousand eighteen. So you do the math there. I mean, it's you know, it's 
But, I mean, art, good art shouldn't be produced on a schedule. I mean, I know these people got to eat and publishers got to publish. I get it. But some things take time, right? And and if you're going to put oh. the polish on it and lose a couple of weeks, then by all means, put the polish on it. I don't know what kind of repercussions there are in the publishing world for that. I mean, if you've got a schedule with the with the distributors, I'm guessing that if you miss that date, then the issues are returnable, right? So that's not a good thing. But other than that, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, but I, again, the finance and the economic side of it is, I don't care. I'm, I'm all concerned about the artistic, the, 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 the aesthetic part of it. And I, I'd probably lose my shirt if I was a publisher. I'd be like, yeah, take your time, <laughs> get it right. But it's not how the world works, I know. Uh, shout out to Jeremy for recommending, suggesting Ice Cream Man Volume 1 back in September. And uh, recently when the Volume 2 Deluxe Edition, when the Sunday Edition was released, both Ian and Raj both had it on their top five of the week for, uh, on the new release list, uh, which Caleb thanked both of them for uh, reminding him to pick it up at the shop. So yeah, we do have a few people who... Uh, we definitely look forward to it when it comes out. I will say the Bud Hickey issue is not my favorite of the four. Even with all the references? Because of the references. They're a little overhanded? I think it was it was low hanging fruit. Like I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do a story about this rock and roll guy and he's gonna walk into a, he's gonna board the yellow submarine and yeah. and and have to save the world from the drippies. And who's at the table? Captain Jack, Eleanor Rigby, Ziggy, Rocky Raccoon, Major Tom. It's too easy. The, this issue. Probably, yeah, I'm with you. And, yeah, and a lot. Of, and and I mean, wait. I mean, I was I was really a little surprised that uh, that he didn't spread out the references. I mean, the the, the it was there was a lot of Beatles at that table, as, as opposed to you know you there's so many other artists or acts or bands from from the yeah. these eras that, well uh, bowie got two used. which was good but um ruby tuesday and then he said you know you can't hang a name on her like oh god it's too easy stop it's such low-hanging fruit <laughs> the, but um, I, well, uh, I get it but i just yeah this is not my favorite issue and artistically, though, I mean, oh, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, beautiful. I mean, page after page, just I mean, there's like the nonstop. But uh, whereas opposed to like some of the other issues where they they focus kind of just in the neighborhood, it's it's a lot of dusk settings and and so so the backgrounds aren't as full and, and it's just it's just trees or homes and sidewalks. Whereas the musical issue was uh, was just packed on page after page i was uh, the um the only thing that just i couldn't i couldn't shake was how um how clumsy in my mind uh jolly o's nickname is because she's got all five owls in her name they call her 5v and that just doesn't really nicknames are supposed to like kind of roll off the tongue and just and it it, 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 it just the v kind of just 5v it, it just it stopped me for a second. I just kind of had to shake my head and and and, and kind of not not power through, but just move on with my life. But it was just it was it was a weird it was a weird nickname. I mean, not that it's it's not a weird book anyway. It's not like that shouldn't stick out. It was just it, for some reason I just couldn't 
couldn't let go of it, obviously. But it was just, it was, it was just, it's a weird nickname of all. Of, I get it. It's just, it just doesn't. There's just no flow to it. Just, it, it sounds clumsy in my head. There you go. Yeah, don't believe anything. But no, I thought the, uh, um, it's it's. I did. I don't know if. I don't know if I give somebody the first trade to get them hooked because things really don't start as Jason alluded to. Yeah. I, I was reading the Sunday edition as well. Um, things really don't start to pick up until after like the fifth or sixth issue. Cause that's when you've got the dude jumping off the building and everything's going crazy in the office. And, 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 that, and, and we see more of, um, of, uh, of Rick and, and, and or see more of Caleb. And it's, it, that's when I thought, it it picked up a little bit because the first trade definitely introduces you, kind of gets you a little familiar with with what you might see over these four issues, but uh, or at least kind of set up what 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 the series what you can kind of get get used to seeing as the series continues. Um, they're, they're they're all cool nifty stories in the first trade but i think uh i think you need a little bit more than the first four to really i can see somebody reading the four issues and just be like, okay now that that's that's cool if i ever get back to it again okay great but i don't know if if aside from the last couple of pages of the fourth issue i don't know if anything would cause somebody to go now i definitely got to get the next trade to see where it's going it, it's up up until up until the introduction of caleb it's kind of just you know done at ones and and uh just with, with the ice cream man and maybe a character might show up in another issue that, that you saw previously but it's basically just the ice cream man's book um it, it definitely i i think if they may have done first six issues in the trade might have might have a little bit more meat on the bones but um i mean it worked for me i'm not I, i'm not going to tell anybody what will or won't work for them the four issues as soon as i finished the fourth issue i i grabbed the uh the Sunday edition PDF from Image and, and, and just kept going with it. So um, it, it did the trick for me. I could just see somebody um, being kind of done with the fourth because it just wasn't enough to kind of grab them. That's why the, the uh, Sunday editions are so uh, necessary. I think you need a good uh, chunk of this. Yeah. Just so you can kind of not get up on the pattern. Like, once you realize there's not a pattern. Uh, and four issues, I, sure, it, it, it gives you that impression, but 12 is better. Because yeah. you, get, yeah, yeah. you get more of the, 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 that narrative thread that weaves its way through them separate from the specifics. Like, there's still a mythology in this book that appears every so often, uh, but in four issues you aside from Caleb and and you know certain things about the ice cream man you don't really get any hint of the 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 big sphere the big picture going on yeah and if we're picking nits the the Hendrix Stratoblaster Hendrix was left-handed <laughs> and, and and my man's playing it right so i mean it, you would think that in this realm of these 
musical entities that the Hendrix Stratoblaster would have been played by Hendrix. So it's it's not authentic. It's not a left-handed configuration. But whatever. I don't want to pick bits, but that's just, it's not important to me. I didn't read it um, thinking, oh, it's wait a minute. That, the room, no, no. I mean, in fact, as I'm going through the the book now, as we're talking about it, that's this is the only time I noticed it. Where because the the last that that splash where Hickey's playing the guitar, like he's he's playing it. Yeah, no, he is playing it left-handed. Well, it's also. And, oh, and he is. I, he's right. He's good. It's yeah. correct. Yeah, he's playing it left-handed. But the knobs, um, the knobs are, are, are whatever. I don't know what I'm saying. So yeah, just delete that shit. There we go. Um, that amounted to nothing. I, uh, what, 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 what I, and, and another thing that just kind of really engrossed me in, in, into this or to see what, uh, what the ice cream man may be about, um, when, when Caleb does show up and he's talking to, uh, to ICM, my man is so, frazzled that he's actually crinkling the side of the van with his fingers because he's just not the last person he expected to see and and he's more than just a little perturbed at at, at my man's appearance and uh the uh which hints at the power inherent in the character. yes exactly yeah. i so so i mean so 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 there were little things even though you know the story's done because it was it was, it was a hell of a story with the whole funeral thing but uh but yeah i mean here's there's still here's a little little sliver that you don't know you don't know anything yet let alone you don't know everything but you don't know anything yet what's going on and 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 i that just added to me um my uh my rush to 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 continue reading the stories right. um also plays with yeah, the classic I, western tropes too the the yep. ice, cre- ice cream man's in white and yep. caleb's in black which is the reverse yeah as far as this yeah. goes these four issues yeah i i mean yeah I, th- I think it is by far our most atypical book of the month there's no value in trying to relate the specifics of each of the four issues to a listener because there's there's not traditional payoff where you know spider-man snags gwen with his web but uh uh-oh he snaps her neck like in the process like there's there's not any concrete resolution to a lot of these chapters yeah and i don't i I think it would be it it wouldn't make for good listening to say oh and rupert has a spider one of the most poisonous spiders in the world (laughs) you know and his parents are really dead and he's trying to live his life as if nothing happened and in walks the the ice cream man who has lycanthropy turns into a were creature (laughs) you know click Let's listen to something else because this is not, not making a whole bunch of sense. But it does make us make sense on a weird level. It does. Yeah, 
<laughs> we we we've said it with with books in the past. Um, there, yeah, I mean, we could like you just said, we, we we could go page by page and kind of just break things down. But I think more so here than than, than most of the other books we've talked about month in month out. Um, this is something that you really do have to kind of experience. I don't I don't want to give anything away by kind of just you know explaining in detail. Um, oh, this particular panel looks kind of like how Martin Martin might draw, and I just I just want to be able to just be like, hey, this is read this. I, it's it's and it's not. I, I don't. It, it's not like it's, it's not going to take up a ton. Of, you'll spend more time looking at the art, I think, than than, than reading the stories themselves. But still, I mean, they, they, they were came together but i it, it there's not a lot of heavy lifting going on here you could probably you could start thinking things and 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 maybe trying to figure out or, or, or guess where things are going and 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 piece things along but no just just sit back enjoy the ride and and just see where the hell they're taking you because it's that's i just i was <laughs> just a passenger i was just kicking back and Page in, page out. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't worried about anything else when I was reading this. There wasn't. It's not. You're not. You know. Steeped in sixty years of continuity, trying to figure out what else is going on elsewhere. This is just every everything you need is within these pages. It's. It's. I. I am. I'm glad. This was chosen. Uh, I'm glad we went with this one. I was. Um, I don't. I'm. I'm kind of bummed that. Uh, you know, it did take me this long to finally get around to checking it out, but um, but I'm 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 very glad I did. I'm I'm, I'm I'm glad it was suggested. Glad we went with it, and um, I uh, I will continue reading it when we're done tonight. Yeah, I I think you're doing yourself a disservice by taking shotgun on this series. I think in order to to really immerse yourself in it you you have to be active in this book you have to try and um approximate or put yourself in the 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 position of the characters and how are these people feeling that's why I, i love it when we get something that can't be summed up very easily or at all with language right like how do you describe house of leaves to someone you have you guys ever read house of leaves the book no okay masterpiece but it's not a book that you can just hey fred how you doing i just read this book house of leaves this is what it's about <laughs> there's none of that like there there's there's stuff within ice cream man that if you if you utter it if you speak it it sounds weird or wrong or off. Like it doesn't make any sense. But but I, I this is where I say um, a lot of times that we kind of do the impossible when we talk about art because you shouldn't be able to describe how art makes you feel with those little cumbersome things we call words. It shouldn't the the, the twain should never meet because it's 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 an, you, you process these things on a on a emotional on a primal level where how does the color red make you feel right like describe that you know you could 
rely on the standard or oh, it makes me feel hot or or rage like but but no 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 what what are the thought processes that erupt when you see these colors in combination or or, or the, the this this painting like what does this make you feel and especially abstract work like how do you describe that it's it's impossible you can't do it you can try and we've done it for 822 weeks but somewhat successfully right i think it's it's an uphill battle it's not easily it's something that's not easily conquered i don't think anybody can you know even the best critics they they throw words around if you've ever read the comics journal like I just think a, a lot of times, you know, they use flowery and com- flowery and complex language to mask the fact that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, or if they do, they can't find the words to accurately convey that information. I don't think anybody can. There, there's there, there's a realm of art that should never be spoken. Feel it internally. And then, you know, that should be enough. But no, we live in a society where click, 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 click. I read this. It's awesome. Why? Oh, you know, because the guy gets his head blown off. Well, okay. But, but like, what about this thing consumed you to the point where you had to make a social media post? Like, what is it about? Well, yeah, yeah, you can't. It's hard. It's very difficult. Which is why a lot of times I just think, you know, you should let the work speak for itself. And I think Ice Cream Man is one of those things that should just be experienced and, you know, let whatever it is, that unspoken language of your brain, process it and then, you know, you'll you'll key into it, I think. It sounds like a cop-out, doesn't it? To a certain extent, it does sound like we're just like making excuses because we can't come to the to the 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 center of this thing but mm-hmm. I, that's how i i mean i feel like th- that way about a lot a lot of works like right you know the right of spring that's a piece of music great it's awesome but how does it make you feel okay right. i can't do i can't tell you i can't relate with language how this these sounds make me feel it's it's, it's a losing battle it is mm-hmm. i'll shut up no, no, no. I, I like not. sometimes when you read something right. I mean, I find myself often like almost subconsciously saying, "What does this remind me of?" And um, like one of the things that came to mind after I read this was "Spa" by Eric Svetoft. Yeah, right. Graphics. Yep. But like, and I and I bring it up because to your point, like, I don't know that I can really tell you what was going on in that book either. I mean, other than it's set in this spa, but crazy shit happens. But like. That book made me feel, though. Like, I read that and I thought, this is fucking crazy. I don't know everything that's going on, but wow, is it, like, affecting me viscerally. Like, I think he's trying to tell me something here and he's having fun with it, you know? And and again, I'm not saying that uh, that Prince and Marazzo aren't doing that in this book, but all I can tell you is how it makes me feel. And right. I didn't come away from this in the way I did, like with Spa, where I read it. I was like, damn, that was, cr- I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was great. You know, like, I'm like, okay. Or like like Jim Woodring, right? Like, yeah. Woodring doesn't, I mean, you could say there's a narrative, sort of, but it's, you know, there's no words and it's, 
Like, it's narrative in that it's uh, sequential, but it's a fucking crazy, surreal set of visuals that don't really mean much except what's on the pages for you to just interpret yourself and enjoy. Like, it's it's just really, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like to me, it's like, okay, yeah, you're you're making me feel something, and, and it doesn't really matter at all what the fuck it's about beyond that. And, like... I feel like with this, because of the structure of it, like, I don't, I have a hard time believing that's what Prince expects. Like, I think he is trying to tell us something. That's kind of like why I think your, your view of this being a treatise on suffering is, is pretty compelling because that would help explain to me what's going on in it. Cause I don't, this doesn't strike me as like, I'm going to put this book out because I feel like putting this book out. This strikes me as more of a, like, I am trying to tell you something. And it like it's maybe not something that you're fully understanding yet, but like I do have a point here, and we'll get to it. And right, you know, so yeah, yeah, left you cold like ice cream, huh? There you <laughs> go. Look at you, ever the pro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's it's it's. Uh, I think you're onto something with the Woodring comparison. Yeah. I think right. I think Woodring and and uh, Prince are on uh, not creatively. But I think the the goal in the in the construction of of stories mm-hmm. is uh, similar. Right, right, yeah. So there you go. Well, you know, we've been at this for a while. You know, we can we can, we can pull some things every now and then. Oh, we do. That's the thing. But yeah. um, it it it's awesome when a difficult book like this comes along because it forces you to change. Your perspective, or to alter your perspective in turn in in tandem with the art, it it has it has changed you, right? That's some powerful stuff. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I think that's an important point here, right? Because we've all had moments in our time reading comics where we have malaise. Yeah. I had a pretty big one this you know earlier this year, obviously, and talked about it a lot, and 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 really the crux of that, right, was that just everything I felt like I was reading was like so familiar. I, I just felt like I was seeing the matrix, right? It was like, Oh God, I've seen, no matter what it was like, oh, I've seen this before 10 times. Like, okay, I know, you know, I know what's happened. Yeah. And, and, and that's so not disappointing, but it's just like, then it just doesn't feel like it's almost like, I just don't know what the point of it is. Right. Like, it's just like, just, just repetition for the sake of it. It's like, okay, I'm like, you're not, you're not getting my synapses firing. If I'm, seeing everything that's coming before it comes so that's that's why i say like this book deserves praise in the sense that like it maybe didn't connect with me the way i'd hoped but i'll never say that it isn't a unique experience and that elevates it far beyond a lot of comics on the shelves from my vantage like like you know i think that's and and i think we all have our own journey there i've i've gotten a lot better at curating that stuff out of my reading pile so that it doesn't drive me nuts. But inevitably there's still a lot of stuff that we read. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like I've read this before a lot, like right. many, many, many times. You know? And that, that stuff's okay. I mean, it's, it's there for you when you need it. Right. Like, and, and again, right. There, there's no, there's no hard and fast rules here. I mean, shit, we just gushed about, you know, a GI Joe comic, right? It's like, I mean, they're not breaking any ground with that. Like same character, same setup, right? Like it's just, but, but, but it was fun. It's it's right. It, it's just whatever works for you. I just think that for me, and I don't speak for you guys, but we've just read so many fun comics, man. Like where it's like I just 
it's got to stand out in some way. It can it can be something familiar, like the most. I mean, you know, Dap obviously is the most. I think still traditional in that regard, and that he'll he continues to read a lot of Superman books every month, and I think generally speaking enjoys them, right? And mm-hmm. and I'm I I think that's wonderful, and I would like to think that part of that is like that they're being they're well done at the, in the moment, right? It's like I really enjoyed the X Men comics. I've always read them, but I really enjoyed them for a few years because they felt special to me. Were they really different? No, but the execution was beyond the norm, and that made it special, right? Like, whereas, so there's different ways you can cut at this. You can give me something I wasn't expecting, either visually or structurally or or narratively, and that's great. That's what I'm clamoring for. But you can also be entertained by stuff that is very familiar if it's done really well. The problem is, is that it's often difficult, particularly with IP that we're familiar with, before you open up the book and read it, knowing whether you're going to get, oh, I've seen this a million times, or it's really well executed. That's just, it's just, that's, there's no great formula to understand when it's a standout, unless you don't read it when it's coming out and let a community of people like we have, whose opinions you trust, point out to you, hey, this is a different type of book. Like, this this stands out on, you know, this is worth your time, right? And that's, I think, one of the important parts of, of the comics community. It gets back to that conversation we had a few weeks ago, you know, where you guys were talking about going to the shop and how much you loved, you had missed it, and then now you're happy to be back to it. And I said, I don't really have any, that doesn't really do anything for me. But but I think this the experience of what you get going to the shop is is very much the value I ascribe to the comics community that we have online, right? Which is that like, I I know that lots of people that we talk about comics with on a daily basis may not have my exact tastes, but I can generally know after these years that like they have good taste and they have interesting perspectives. And so that is a pretty effective way to help curate the signal to the, from the noise, right? Like there's so many times where someone that we, a friend of ours says, oh, I really love this book. And sometimes I'd heard about it and really didn't give any thought. And now they turn me on to something I'd never heard of it. And like, that's just incredibly valuable in a world where we have un- seemingly unending access to content, right? Like there are, at this point, infinite TV, movie, and read things to read, right? Like it's infinite, like like music, right? There, there's pretty much an infinite content, right? Like we could all, you, we could each listen to new music every day of our lives until we die, right? We could each listen, we could each read a, di- a new book, a page, you know, pages from a new book every day until we die, and never come close to covering it all. So, I think curation is so valuable in today's day and age. Otherwise, it's just chaos. There you go. Yeah, but you yeah. love chaos, though. I do. It's my thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, that was our book of the month. Anybody have anything else to say before we slide on over to something else? How would you compare this experience to Art Brute by the same creative team? Like, do you see similarities? Do you see it as a completely different approach to storytelling? Do you? No, I think that was far more accessible. But, okay. Yeah, but I think you had to have a... Uh, inclination to uh loftier uh perception 
You know, you have mm-hmm. to you have to be. And I, this sounds you know base, but like a a fan of art on some level for that book to work. I mean, the, I think the narrative is pretty straightforward. It, it reminded me a lot of of what Grant Morrison did on Doom Patrol. Right? It was clever and um intelligently written and um again that word i use all the time compelling like i wanted to read it and mm. it was beautiful uh for my eyes but I, I i think you i don't think you could give art brute to somebody who is uh, who dines exclusively on like say batman or superman right, they, right, right. Th- that it, it definitely wouldn't click sure. but if if you are more adventurous and and uh, appreciate uh, the aesthetics, then yeah, I think that book's a winner. And it was self-contained, you know, relatively. It was like four issues or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this team. I, I really do. And um, the, the the another anthology that Prince was involved in was the, the Happy anthology at, at Image. Oh, right. right. Yeah. And that yeah. was that was akin to this. Uh-huh. It's ice cream man, but but a little bit. There was a little more in terms of, well, maybe not. I think the payoff was was similar as well, <laughs> or lack thereof on some stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, another person that I thought of him where is it? Uh, Alesh Kot seems he's he's yes. Been in this school. Yes, yes. He tells stories that are compelling on many levels, but I I don't, and I've never really quite figured out if he doesn't care about having a narrative that fully makes sense or. He's just not good at it. <laughs> I don't. But like, no, I, I think his stories don't often have like a cohesive narrative, even though they are structured in a way you think they're supposed to. Oh, I think Zero's freaking great, and that has a a, a cohesive narrative. Sure, it, it's I mean, odd. It's, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, you know I think the the lifespan of that book was uh, if you read Zero from beginning to end, I mean, there's definitely a progression, and and, and yeah, I, I, the book is great. But I I understand what you're saying about. Uh, Alesh, he's very smart, and I mean you could tell j- just from the you know the premise of whatever he's working on that there's an intelligence, there's a there's a, uh, a a level of experience with the world and with whatever he's writing that that is above I think a, a lot of of creative people working on comics. I don't you know I don't want to belittle people, but uh, I think he's he's Morrison level smart. Nice, yeah. Ice Cream Man, Volume 1, Rainbow Sprinkles, W. Maxwell Prince wrote it, Martin Marazzo drew it, and Chris O'Halloran colored it. Go get it. There's a lot of flavors. Uh, just keep it in the <laughs> in the zone. There's a lot of flavors of Ice Cream Man. You can go buy the back issues. You can get the trade paperbacks. You can buy the Sunday editions, uh, which are huge chunks of book. And uh, whatever you choose, uh, it will be delicious and rewarding. There you go. What else do we have, gentlemen? Uh, everything, this is funny, everything else I've read is the complete antithesis of Ice Cream Man. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's funny. It's because it, the, it's all surface. All the other stuff. All surface. Completely. You know what I read that? Or I should say reread. What? Reread. Project. Uh, uh, Pro- oh, I see it now. Project Pegasus. <laughs> yes. Here, here's a little oh, bit of back backstory. Oh, it's so good. A little bit of backstory. I have stacks 
of trade paperbacks and hardcovers. Some of which I've been deliberating. Should I keep them? Do I really need these? I have the singles. Do I want to, you know, to litter my bookshelves with something I already own in a different form? So I'm, I'm eventually going to either try and unload them on the Slack or go to eBay, whatever. But I have the, um, I think they used to call these Marvel Premiere hardcovers. Because so yes, 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 they were different from the masterworks. Same form factor yeah. as a masterwork, though. Yes. Yeah, and um, yeah, because I have a few of them. Yeah. Like no expense spared. The I mean, like I said, they're hardcover. The uh, the title is uh, debossed and has um, uh, the the type is uh, actually colored. It, it's a very nice package. And uh, the thing that that kind of got me was they recolored all these issues because uh, it says here that the colorists on these were Nell Yamtov, Phil Rachelson, Bob Sharon, and Carl Gafford. And I don't remember those people being involved with 201 back in the day. But So I, this, uh, this stuff has been uh, retouched, let's just say. That's not the original coloring. But that's okay. It didn't detract from my enjoyment of it. But um, so this is the thing, Project Pegasus. The storyline was originally conceived by Ralph Macchio in two issues of um, Marvel Two and One, Forty Two and Forty Three, and then later on, Ralph is joined by Mark Grinwald on issues Fifty Three to Fifty Eight to expand upon what Ralph did in those two issues. The uh, pencilers, wow. Alzheimer's, every one of them. Sal Basima did one issue. And then John Byrne and George Perez alternate in the Project Pegasus storyline proper. Inks by Sam Granger, Alfredo Alcala, Joe Sinnott, oh, and Gene Day. Like, come on. All of these guys are heavy hitters, every one of them. And it's, I'm sure the listeners are familiar with Marvel 2 and 1. I would hope that you would be. Uh, if you're not, it was a companion book of sorts to Marvel Team Up, where Marvel Team Up was not exclusively, but more often than not, featured Spider Man and another character in the Marvel Universe. So there was a bunch of issues that didn't maybe five or six or seven over the entire run that didn't feature Spider-Man, but it was a Spider-Man book, more often than not. Whereas Marvel 2 and 1 was, I believe, 100% the thing and somebody else from Marvel Universe. Like, there wasn't a, a Human Torch and somebody within the run of Marvel 2 and 1. I, I would be, I'm 100%, almost 100% certain that it was always the thing, Right? Yes. Yeah. So these stories were written in the 70s when energy uh, and the consumption of same was on everybody's mind. Gas was being rationed. Um, costs of heating uh, the home were rising. Natural gas, uh, oil, everything was, was rising. So the energy crisis was very important. It was a very, very topical subject. So Got to give it up to Machio because he said, hey, I'm going to do something with this within, you know, 
the Marvel Universe. So that's where Project Pegasus comes from. It was a uh, DOE project that focused on alternate forms of energy that just happened to have a bunch of energy-based heroes and villains within the confines of the place. It was underground. You get a map. Like the like the G.I. Joe base was, the, you got a big-ass you know, cross-section of it in the G.I. Joe books, you get a cross-section of of Project Pegasus, and you see how far down it goes, and the, you know, the 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 train that loops around it, and everything. But it all focuses on it. All, well, it starts with Wondar. You remember Wondar, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who created Wondar? You don't. No. Steve Gerber. Oh, that's right. Yes, he Wondar was. Gerber's pastiche on DC Superman, and he got in trouble for it. But the uh, character was deemed um, divergent from Big Blue enough where they let it go. But yeah, it's same same deal as Superman came to Earth in a rocket ship to home planet, went kablooey, um, grew in the rocket ship to adult proportions, but his mind didn't. So he was like a child. And latched on to Ben, calling him, you know, Uncle Benji. And so Wondar is in Project Pegasus, and they're testing his energy dampening powers with the Cosmic Cube. Not a good idea. (laughs) Whose idea was this? Um, The first part stars Captain America with the thing. And wouldn't you know it, Wondar, because of the cube's, uh, properties, Wondar gets thrown into a coma, and the cosmic cube is stolen by Victorious. We haven't seen much of Victorious over the years, but then um, it heads down to Florida, and wouldn't you know it, Victorious and Jude the Entropic Man, like the the Entropic Man uh, or the Entropists, were a big thing in Gerber's writing, but Man Thing pops up. And then it shifts back to Project Pegasus. And who do you think is the head of security? Somebody I never would have guessed would be a good head of security, but whatever. Quasar. Randall Vaughn is the head of security. So Wondar's in a coma, and there's this Dr. Leitner that is within the the cast of Project Pegasus, and he just he's a no-good Nick, right? He's trying to assemble this nth projector and he gets deathlock to break into the the compound and try and set it up but he deathlock fails to complete the task meanwhile there's this subplot with thundra and she's wrestling for this um little man oglethorpe and uh he thinks he's got his meal ticket all sussed out with thunder like nobody can beat her but the whole subplot of her wrestling was only to get her into Project Pegasus. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, so they were looking for somebody really strong and resourceful. And then they pulled her out of the ring and they sent her and her grapplers. And the grapplers are Titania, Screaming Mimi, Pound Cakes, <laughs> and Letha. They break into Project Pegasus and they're trying to install the other half of the Nth Projector, but... 
Thundra and the Thing have a history. Like, Thundra was once a member of the Fantastic Four. Like, what's going on? Did she forget all that stuff? But she, they, they make, um, they try and put a banding on it by saying, oh, she went out into the world because she loves Ben. He was the, the, the masculine ideal that she wanted to, to mate with him so they'd produce, you know, powerful kids, but whatever. Um, so inside Project Pegasus, you have all these energy based villains, like, some produce energy, some transfer energy, some transform energy. So Solar, two R's, and Claw enter the picture. And Titania, they did the Nth Projector thing. Lightner becomes the Nth Man. It all is is magnificently rendered by George Perez. Like there's a there's a a, a section where Screaming Mimi does her thing. Where she's got this mind warping scream. And Perez just chews up the page, man. There, there's a cameo of Screaming Mimi doing her thing, and her face is all twisted and warped, and the landscape of Project Pegasus twists and everything in, in, in tandem with her powers. It's amazing. Like Perez just owned those issues. But um, the, what's the point here? The point is it's all surface level, right? But it was so much fun to revisit these issues. Where it's 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 kind of like and then you know, Cap and and the thing do this and then the cosmic cube is stolen and then you know what I mean. So it it's but it it you could it it seemed to me like there was intelligent design behind the story, where it was like all right we'll pick these characters, Claw, like he's energy based Sonics right and Solar is is of course energy based we'll use these guys like Nuclo's in it for a little while Nuclo is awesome because even as a kid I realized that they were inverting the original drawing for Nuclo like they did a negative of him on the page they probably statted it and and did a negative and then repasted it on the board because it would take a, a freaking mastermind to draw in negative like Nuclo was. I'm sure Perez could have handled it, but I'm just saying it would be easier to just draw it normally with the shadows where they would be and then stat it in negatively, whatever. But uh, it was so much fun. Like, I, there's no payoff other than I really had a good time with this. I, he's, you know, Ben is one of my favorite Marvel characters of all time. I know the character. And it was just like old home week. It was so much fun. If I was Ben... I would have picked Thundra over Alicia. No question. But <laughs> hey, wouldn't you? Given your, your real-life propensity for razor-skinny blondes, I'm surprised to hear you say that. But but Thundra's seven foot tall. So she's, yeah, she's not skinny. She's thick, though. I wouldn't call her thick. I would call her lean. She's all muscle, but she's not She-Hulk muscle. Right? She's pretty, I mean, I feel like she's like she hope without green skin. Nah, she's not that big. And the mm. costume too, way better than anything she Hulk ever wore. I mean, she's like Marvel's Marvel's Barda, really. I mean, isn't she? I mean, mm. no, she's not. No, she's not that that thick. No. But anyway, you got you got John Byrne and George Perez tag teaming on on these series of issues. Like, oh my God, this was just it was pure bliss reading these things. 
And needless to say, I'm not going to get rid of this hardcover because if I had to go scare up these issues in in the archives, I probably wouldn't find them all. At least not without a whole mess of effort. So I can revisit this anytime I want. So I'm keeping it. Yeah. I was also By the way, just random, random because you mentioned Brit- like random British fact. I I was I didn't realize that John Byrne. You mentioned John Byrne. I didn't realize John Byrne was British until like a month ago. <laughs> well, well yeah, yeah, he was he was he was born but raised in Canada. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I guess that's why, right? But like I didn't know that he was because yeah, I was like oh, no, no, I had no clue. But I got to give all the artists on this credit. Like, no matter who they were drawing, the, Burns' um, Deathlock is a little strange. Mm. He's not as disfigured as the Deathlock that would soon, you know, come that to is, prominence. Uh, Burn, Burn can't really do ugly or gruesome. It's true. Well, uh, when he inks his own work, he can. Oh, well, that's yes. Up. I'm well, just saying. Work, but it's it's. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah, Deathlock. You want to kill me? You know, it's true. The eye. It's just yeah, <laughs> you can't. It's not. She's not Ouch. That I think I lost the room with that one. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> the, the burn dig. I mean, I love John, but John never yeah. looked better than when he had a really good anchor. Like Terry, yes, oh, yeah, I agree. Oh, no, he... yeah, but I mean, but you yeah. thought it was ugly, though. Just... Some of that next men stuff oh, is rough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still John Byrne, but it's when I, I, I don't of, exactly. I, mean, I know what you're going to say. Say it. Go ahead. Well, when I think of 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 there are there are certain artists who can ink themselves, and there are artists who benefit from an anchor and and for the long for a long long time burn was pretty much a poster child for whenever i would make a, a an example of that he's he looks you can always tell it's burn whether it's austin whether it's ordway whether it's gordon who giordano it doesn't matter who's inking him you can still see burn under there but he works so much his work sings with an anchor it's I've, a little sloppy when he inks himself. Well, yeah, what I thought you were going to say is whenever John Byrne pops into your mind, you don't think gritty. You don't think ragged, oh, no, rough no, lines. No, and no, that's yeah, that's that's yeah. what John brings to his own work when he inks it. Yes. Yeah. But I forgot about Bob Foster's in here. Giant Man. And it's funny because... Oh, wow. You mean Bill Foster? Uh, sorry, yeah. Bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because... They're, the thing and and uh, Foster are in an elevator, and Ben doesn't know that he's Black Goliath until the the elevator starts coming down on them, like the the roof, and Foster just does his Black Goliath thing and becomes big, and he's like, "Whoa, wait a minute, you're Black Goliath?" <laughs> it's like, ben, what are you doing? He doesn't wear a mask, like he's he's the, <laughs> he's the same character. But anyway. Um, uh, Foster's like, yeah, you know, maybe I should think of changing my name. Well, Ben's like, yeah, well, from what I was taught in in uh, religion class, you know, uh, Goliath wasn't a good guy, 
and everybody could tell you're black just by looking at you. <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, that would never, never, ever fly. That's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, he goes, well, how about this? I got a G on my belt. Why don't I just call myself Giant Man? I don't think Pim would mind. He's like, nah, go ahead. Call yourself Giant Man. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Yeah. It's so comfortable, though. It's like, you know how it is. when, Whenever you... Well, I don't know if you know, but I'm sure you do. Whenever I, I go back to these things, it's like I haven't skipped a beat. It's Ben is Ben, and the universe is... It makes sense, and everything's not interconnected. It's just fun yeah. So, yeah hallelujah why my question why has there not been a two-in-one omnibus why yeah it's true makes no sense there's a I thing. feel like we're pretty i mean the I feel like comic nerds are pretty good at manifesting omnibus like we kept how many how many times we're like i can't believe there's not insert omnibus oh, eventually we get there yeah. rom micronauts uh, Oh, Hot Moo, um, Excalibur, like the, there were so many in another one. We've gotten them all. So, yeah, Marvel but, 2 and 1's next. Yeah, but they've covered the semi. Like, there's. Isn't there a Marvel team up, Omnibus? I was just going to ask if there is. Yeah. Oh, man. Probably? I. But I, I mean, yeah. I, I know. Okay. Of the books of this period, like, there's a What If Omnibus. Yay. Yes, there is. And and there's there's omnibu for every ongoing of the period. But I can't say that there's a a, a team up omnibus either. Which is a crime that there's not. Yeah, there is. And you can't even I, I mean I was thinking maybe, you know, trying to divvy up the royalties. But if you got a what if, then there's no excuse. Oh yeah, there's definitely a what if. But there's there a, is. there's a, a one, yeah. there's two. There's a thing omnibus. You get the whole series in one shot. Right. So let's have a two in one. Yeah, is that the thing by John Byrne or something like that? I know it's it's not uh, it's not just the thing. It's it's but it because I think he pretty much wrote the entire series. Um, Rocky Grimm. The Rocky Grimm Space Ranger. Yep. <sighs> yeah, Which, there's not there's not a team up omnibus. That's that's baffling to me. That's a crime. It is one hundred percent crime. I I I'd, I'd order that in a heartbeat. You see, now they're in the woods. Right, they're they're in in the in the sticks with Micronauts, Rom. I well, I love them. I'm yeah, buying them. Books, like, but I would have figured you'd have taken care of your own library before right. you went to the license stuff again. Yeah, well, no, I'm not. Hey, I'm not looking the gift horse in the mouth. If they're going to do oh, no, Rom, no, I'm no, buying no. it. But Absolutely. yeah, let's get. You know, and there's a Marvel Age omnibus. I, yeah, I sure. I'm going to own it. But uh, at, I'm always to get it in my hands. I didn't order it. But as a as a um, in terms of legacy, I think those issues need to be preserved because it tells you what the creative. I mean, yes, it's company speak, okay, but it tells you what the creative teams were thinking, what led to all these series, what mm-hmm. problems or or um, you know revolutions they encountered in the production of these series. Like this stuff needs to be archived. So, I mean, look, there's a Devil's Reign omnibus. There's an Empire omnibus. I mean, if you're putting those kinds of things out, you can put... Yeah, maybe it's a it's a source material problem. Maybe those issues of, of Team Up and 2-in-1 are hard to... Like the original pages, or if even if that's a prerequisite, I don't know. But do, I'm sure they, they scan the original art for the... Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I don't know. But um, dude, yeah. there's a Hulk Maestro omnibus. Yep. Yeah. That's baffling. Yep. But I, I'm finding great joy in the omnibus these days. Good for you. Yeah. Now you should start reading yours. You have enough to build a house out of them. Uh, it's so true, dude. Easy selling mine. You don't part with that stuff. There's a Marvel well, Cinematic with Universe omnibus. He did. There's a what? Marvel Cinematic Universe omnibus. Oh, no. No. It, it's all about that. I'm done. Don't want that. But, I mean, look, there's multiple Venom and Carnage omnibus. Like, we, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a damn golden age. <laughs> damn golden age, yo. What else do we have? There's a Marvel Now omnibus, Jesus. Really? That's cray cray. Oh, with all the first issues from that. Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, yeah, right, cool. right. Yeah, Ollie's had that for like dirt cheap. I think it was like 20 bucks or so. There's two Marvel Zomnibuses. That stuff deserves to be collected. That's fun. Eh. It is. It is. <laughs> shitter shitter on, on joy. It is. I mean, come on. Just look at the lineup in Marvel Zombies. Howard the Duck, Machine Man. Come on. That stuff's great. Come on, Shen. Yeah. So, what else do we have? There's a Predator Omnibus. I mean, got to make that money. That's what he's doing now. He's just... Well, once he gets with a list, it's hard to get him away. It's true. Dude, there's a Solomon well, Kane Omnibus, well, and, I, and I own it. Oh, I don't like Solomon Kane. That's <laughs> that. That's one of the. Um, no, I never clicked with that character. A Puritan warrior. Stop. No. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why I own it. Fighting for the wrong team. So correct, Fuck. Right? I gotta say, I didn't expect good things, and this is probably on me. From Braithwaite on Conan, did a good job. Good on him. Yeah, yeah. With the 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 Titan series, Braithwaite mm-hmm. is on it now, and uh, yep. very good stuff. Very good. Attaboy. Shame on me. You know you got you know you need to give a second chance to too because you wrote it off before you watched it. Monarch. I didn't write it off. I didn't say anything. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't have he doesn't have Apple TV Plus. Yeah, but we were in New York Comic Con. You're like, eh. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that doesn't That's mean true. no. I didn't. I didn't poo poo it. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But from what I've seen, again, this is all on me. I expect the kaiju to at least fit somewhere within the pantheon of kaiju designed by the original Japanese creators. The beasts that I've seen from Monarch, they they just don't, they don't look like they fit. They they're 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 I don't know for lack of a better word, they're American, and it's. Eh. Whatever, but I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Well, I mean, I'm more interested in seeing Godzilla minus one than I. This am. is a direct, um, oh, as, you, yeah. as I think you know, this is t- tied directly to the movies, right? And I'm not so hot on on those. Well, right? I will say I wasn't hot on the movies, but but the this show is off to a great start. Oh, well, Kurt I, Russell, right? He's in it, yeah. Yeah, how do you not like Kurt Russell? As is his son. Hmm. A.K.A. the captain in the MCU. Remember the Thunderbolts. We, uh, I will. 
I will start Monarch. There are a couple of things that I need to start, but I am nearing the end. I'm about halfway through the fourth season of Star Wars Rebels, and I'm not starting anything until I finish. That's it. my man's damn. I'm, I'm, I'm over here fist pumping. I best part, best best is, modern it's, cartoons. It's I can't I I just watching. I I, I totally get now that um, you know why. Why Sabine was so adamant to to find Ezra and and that Hera's such a badass and I I just and and I of course we saw Zeb in in Mandalorian but I I just think that um I I never expected to I just thought that maybe you know some zany one off adventures here and there but I mean the ongoing plot and then uh. They're on the one planet, they're on the one rebel base, and there's Bendu for most of the season, and then we get Thrawn, and, and I find out, you know, that, that Thrawn is as fucking menacing as, as he appeared in, in in Ahsoka. I just, I, I, I am over the moon by how much uh, I'm enjoying it. I just figured, you know, it, it gets to the point now where, like, I just, at the end, as we're nearing the end of the day, I'm like, well... I'm going to watch a couple episodes before I go to bed. Like I'm looking forward to it before we've just been like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll get through it and I'll just, you know, move on to something else. But I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm super invested and I'll probably, um, I'll, I'll, I'll go to Monarch or something like that. And then I'll, and then I'll, um, maybe do a bad batch. Oh, man. And I'm two episodes in the scavengers reign. Yeah, that's the other thing I got to start too. Yeah, dude, Vince, you that would love that if you haven't seen that. What's it on? Uh, Max. I think we have that. Formerly HBO. I'm pretty sure we have that. Yeah, I'll yeah, fire it up. Really cool. It's it's talk about unexpected. Like it's a sci-fi, but like they're in an alien world, but they do crazy alien shit. Like it's like the the physics of the world the the anatomy, the plants, the animals, none of it is like anything we've ever seen, which is always one of my complaints about a lot of sci-fi, right? Is it like, it's basically like hot humans with different colored skin, you know, like, but, but I mean, you know, I get like back in the day, it's cause we didn't have special effects, budget and stuff, but like, but this is just completely, the whole thing feels alien. Like the, the way they, you know, like this, the opening scene is them. There's this giant rhinoceros type alien creature and they, they cut it open and dive into it like you like uh and, and go in and they're up in the guts and they pull out like intestines from it and they use that as wiring for their ship because they figured out that it's a conduit for electricity like and then the, but the, the beast is like totally fine he's got like all these healed scars because they've clearly done it many times before it's pretty neat very cool sounds good to me yeah it definitely remind has definitely yeah, definite mobius good. vibe definite mobius. yes wow yeah yeah, that's a high bar, dude. I don't know if you should be throwing words around like that. No, dude, I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling Check you. Check it out, though. It's like, it's like sci-fi Nausicaa. Huh. Like space, not sci-fi, space. Like, meaning Nausicaa is kind of sci-fi, dude. It's like, uh, like space, space Nausicaa. There you go. It's real good. Cool. Brian Clark turned me on to it. But he, he you got to watch him. He does that. He's yeah. he's a sly one, that one. He is. Bastard, yeah. Good looking, yeah. talented. Good taste. He's, Good taste. He's a, keeper. Yeah. he's a keeper. Wow. Well, I can't compliment my friends. No. You definitely Similar can. Similar attributes? No, I'm just a little jealous. That's all. 
So I mean, I say the same things to you when you're not around. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's around, yeah. does it make a sound? I don't think so. Now, our listeners know that we have a little slack where we post what we've been reading. And I feel like at the start of this show, Vince looked at my list and he was just like, eh. Yeah. And there's only three things on there. So, um, <laughs> Ice Cream Man being one of them. And I know he, we just heard that he liked that. The other two things on there, one I'm sure he probably has never heard of, so it couldn't be that. And that's The Boys Weekend, right? I'm sure you've never heard of that. <laughs> it's, it's, that sounds like a, a book, a book that would please a certain subsection of our slack. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. And then, so you must have, eh, the, the, the third thing on this, which is Monica. I did. Are you not a Klaus fan? No, I am a Klaus fan. Yes. yes. I thought you were because. I remember years ago I had never read Eight Ball and you were like baffled by that. Yeah, love it. Love Eight Ball. Right. So okay. I I, I it's it's not meh. It was more um just to crack open my head, it, it Klaus is celebrated for his his abilities within a a uh very vocal group of people that read comics. Yeah. Yeah, th- well, this book is getting all the... Yes, I know. The, all the flowers thrown at it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's had, it, like... It's it's one of those transcendent books, right? Like, it, it's gotten major write-ups in, like, New York Times, The Guardian, you know, Washington Post. Like, it's it's one of those books that is... He's at the point in his life, I think, where he he's moved into the literary... The uh, the the the, uh, the burlap like the patch you know the 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 elbow patch patched elbow pad kind of like university literary crowd praising these books. Yeah, he's like, he's yeah. the Art Spiegelman of his generation. Mm-hmm. Widely accepted by those that even don't read comics. Mm-hmm. Well discussed mm-hmm. by those who do uh, appreciate comics of that stripe. Sure, it's I don't know how to phrase this without sounding like an asshole. <laughs> Where um, I I have to wonder, going in, while I have enjoyed the majority of his work, I have to wonder how much of the accolades are earned and how much are just thrown around because, well, it's it's Dan Klaus, right? He's, okay. he's the poster child for alt comics, or the poster man, I guess, at this point. And um, can can seemingly do no wrong. Everything he does is is trumpeted from the rooftops. And sure, going sure. into something like that, it's it's uh, it's it's a cumbersome start for me because I'm experiencing the work on one level, and on the other, I'm like, well, fuck. If if um, this person champions this book, and I don't find anything of or or I find little of value in the book, you know. Do I is it the problem with me or I, I? The the more a creative person is celebrated for everything they do, the less willing I am to engage in that stuff. I eventually will. I'm I'm going to mm-hmm. read Monica. I mean, yes, I will, but I'm hesitant just because it's Dan Klaus and everybody's like. You know, writing sonnets for his his Majesty. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I so yes, I find it, that. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I find it fascinating, though, that you would have that viewpoint, only because I feel like you stand tall and proud of saying you don't give a fuck about what 
other people say about books like good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, yes, on the one hand, I I do very much feel that if I like something, you're going to know about it. But there's a no. But you even remember a few years ago, you got like angry with me that I do the year end list and then use that as a thing to buy books. And you're like, why would you? Why would other people's opinions about a book shape what you buy? And exactly. Read? I'm, like, I'm I, talking about people I care about. I'm right, not talking no, about right, the faceless right, critics. Discussion that time that I just don't like. I don't. We just don't see the world the same way. Like I think if if you know if 15 different critics of comics all talk about a book being great, I that's enough for me to give it a try. I mean, right, not me. I mean, I no. ultimately agree that it's a great book, but. But I, I certainly think that it's been vetted enough that it's something that I that I want to check out. Sure, sure. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just it, it's just. So like, is a part of it that you've just read so much Klaus that you wonder if this is going to hit you as much because you feel like yeah. you just get what he's about now. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, there, there there are. I'd be totally honest. There were some Klaus books that didn't really click with me, and I sure. felt the I felt the subject matter was. <sighs> I guess, for lack of a better term, mundane. It, it, it's the same thing with um, Chris Ware. Like, I love Chris Ware's work, mm-hmm. primarily because of the visuals. But the actual mm-hmm. germ of what he's doing within the narrative, like, I, I whatever. These people are, are, are lonely. Yeah, I get it. And, it, and it, again, it goes back to the suffering thing. But right. with with Klaus, but yeah, you like 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 I know you you're a big fan of like Nick Dernasso, right? Like yeah, Nancy yeah. and 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 the like. But yeah, no, I get. I, I mean, I don't like. I get what you're saying. I, I mean, I'm totally forthcoming. Like it's it's yeah. it's a 100 percent my problem. Right. Right. Where uh, for me, Dan Klaus never got better than like a Velvet Fist. Cast tonight, like that's Klaus to me. Mm-hmm. But he's done more successful work, in, not only in terms of of dollar value, but but aesthetically, he's done more successful work than Velvet Glove. But to me, that's that's my Dan Klaus. Whenever I read something, that story is is the one he has to beat. And so when when people uh, whose opinion I value says, well, man, this thing was fucking great. You got to read it. It's so complex. I'm I'll be totally honest. Aside from our book in the month, my mindset is not in complex right now. I don't that's want for sure. I no, don't want something true. that's going to. In the moment, right now, it's it'll change. You know, mm-hmm. you you had your period. I have my. Uh, I, I'm I'm in the the candy consumption phase. I just mm-hmm, want books mm-hmm. that are going to make me feel good right now, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. feel something nostalgic or traditional, or or just plain old superhero, you know, chaos. That's fine. I right. I really don't want to read Monica in the mindset I'm I'm in now for the reasons I I detailed and. I'm just not in the right headspace for it right now. Sure, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. But tell me why I should read it, Jason, because you are one of the pool of people whose opinion I do value. Well, um, I mean, I love the way you framed it because I think so much, especially, in, again, in this, this theme I keep getting back to of like infinite entertainment now, right? I think so much of our general feelings of, of, of like a genre or, or the industry is somewhat shaped about when we read what we read true and and the vibe right like like you said like you're in a mood right now like you're loving stuff like 
like this, like the symbiotes, and it's just like tickling you. It's not deep. It's my inner travels. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying, right? But like you, but it's 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 your vibe right now. That's yeah. cool. Um, and I think we get into that mode, and then you know, if we didn't do the show, maybe we would. It'd be easier to. Uh, well, not if easier were, but maybe we'd be more apt to just like really quickly course correct and be like, I'm not feeling like that stuff right now. Whereas, you know, I think with the show, we just we a we probably read more consistently, but also we we try and read what each other are into, or you know, we just you know, it's 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 a balance, right? We've talked about this a lot. It's not our reading habits would probably not be completely the same if we didn't do the show. Um, but with that said, I think to your point, like there, Monica is specifically so. We've been dancing around this, but Monica is the first graphic novel by Dan Klaus in seven years, um, which, to your point in and of itself, was you were we were sure this book was going to get discussed, if not praised, because Klaus is beloved and he hasn't put out something in a long time. Um, and it is complex, very complex. It is not a book that you can sit down like a half hour before you know for over and just like pound it out and be like oh yeah it was great right like this is not uh the big game right <laughs> like which yeah. is just like like klaus is like the anti-mark miller right like like he's like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum and i enjoy them both very much um so I, now but with you setting up what you did it's gonna it's gonna feel a little weird for me to say i think it's a masterpiece like i think it's it's an incredible i think the praise that it may or may not be getting well that it is getting broadly uh from non-comic-y circles i'll leave that to the literary you know wonks to discuss amongst themselves whether it's worthy of that but but as a comic book fan i think it's the best thing he's done probably since we've started the podcast which kind of lines up with what you're saying. Like, I don't disagree with you. Like, his eight ball stuff is like so good and put him on the map. It's like everything else is kind of trying to live up to that. I'm not even going to sit here and tell you like it's eight ball because he's just a, he's an older man now. It's a different story. It's a different type of story. But it's a really remarkably well done book. Um, and I actually did sit down to read this like the second day of our vacation, and. I was just not in the, I was like, okay, this, no, this isn't the time for this. Like, I'm like, maybe I'll come back to it. And then I've been home. Beth's been still down there. So I've been home for like four, four or five days, you know, by by myself, me and Holden. But so I'm, I'm like, I saw, I sat down yesterday and was like, okay, uh, I have some time. And I sat down and then like started from scratch again, started the book over and really got into it and thought, okay, no, this is, I'm, I'm in the mood this time. I know what I'm getting into and I, I just went with it. And it's, it is a, it is a very complex story that spans the life of the titular characters. I mean, from the, from literally from her birth to her death, Monica is, um, we see Monica, uh, um, as a, as a very young child all the way through her death. Um, and it's done in chapter form. Each chapter is like a different time period. Most of which revolve around Monica directly, but some revolve around other people in her life. Like the first chapter is about uh, her mom, like as a as a young woman who's finding herself after high school. Um, but it is real. I mean, I think the thing that's great about Klaus and probably why it is he's incredibly sardonic 
And much like humor, like I always talk about how humor is so subjective that it's hard to make a humor book that is widely loved because everybody's sense of humor is different. Like you make an action book or action movie, you know, it is what it is. People know what they're getting into. It's either adrenaline pumping or it's not. Um, you make a comedy and I could watch it and think it's hilarious and you could guys could watch it and think it's fucking not funny at all, right? Like that's just the nature of comedy. I think it's the same with the kind of books that the that Klaus does. Like like sardonic stuff is almost like another type of humor. It's really obviously it's not meant to make you laugh, but it's it's also similar in that I think there's probably plenty of people that just don't enjoy reading sardonic stories. And I can't say they're wrong for that. Like it's definitely puts you in a certain mindset and it could, I could easily see why that kind of story is a turnoff to people. Like no questions asked. It could be if you were like, Oh God, I can't stand class. Like I would get that. I could get it. Now I personally love sardonic stories. I think they're great when they're well done. Um, so that's a big plus for me. Um, and this is probably like one of the lesser sardonic books he's ever done. Um, but at its core, it still is like basically the story is that is that uh, uh, Monica was born to a young, like early 20s woman named Penny in the late 60s. And Penny was uh, straight out of like um, uh, Forrest Gump, uh, Jenny, like straight out of that, like flower, flower girl uh, falling in love over and over again, always putting herself in a bad situation ends up abandoning Monica to her parents. And then Monica, Monica is raised by her, her parents, her grandparents. And then she goes on to have a life that's like full of great success, but often in homage to her mom or in memory of, she never sees her mom again. She never, she never met her dad. And, uh, and like I said, we follow all the way through her death. And uh, it's just, it's one of those books where it's clear that Klaus is like reflecting on lots of really big topics that maybe because of my age, I can empathize with, you know, just, your life, like how much your environment and your parents affect who you are for good and for bad, even if they're not in your life, right? Like just, just the, the, the nature versus nurture aspect, like just are, you know, you, there are people who've never met a, a parent and yet they probably have tons of traits just like them if they ever did meet them. Right. And it's just, he deals with all that, but in a very creative way. The other thing I will say that, and maybe this will draw you to it, Vince he does these interstitials in the book and the interstitials are by design drawn to be evocative of EC comics. Uh, there's like a war comic pastiche. There's a romance comics pastiche. Uh, and he's such a great cartoonist that like this stuff's beautiful. And if it definitely evokes that vibe that he's going for. So he hits the mark there. Um, and it just, it's, it's, it's just a really thought provoking, lovely look at, uh, the imperfect nature of like one's life and that your life is full of times when you're really happy, full of times when you're really sad, full of times that are relatively mundane. Like if we look back at anyone's life, there's periods of, you know, pretty mundane existence, even if you've had an interesting life from an outside perspective. Um, and I think it just encapsulates that in a way that is hard to do on paper. And he does it in a, in, in, in a way that's just, I found completely engrossing and, uh, you know, I don't know that I can say he's breaking new ground here because like you like you opened up with, he's had such a storied career and is so beloved that like I don't know that he's like stretching any new muscles per se, but I think it was really well done and you know, we've had a lot of these return to form books the last few years where a creator hasn't done a book in a long time and then they finally put it out and um I think this is definitely up there with all of those, you know. Um I know you guys you know, I liked Monsters. You guys loved it. Um, 
you know, so, but I think it's like, it's in that same ilk, right? I mean, I guess seven years away isn't the same as 20, but, um, but I also think Klaus is a much more prolific writer than Windsor Smith was. So, uh, it's like, you know what? It's, it's kind of reminds me of like when Osterius Polyp came, right? And everyone was like, oh, what's Mazzucchelli been up to? And then for me, like it hit that hit. Like, I think it was worth the wait. Same thing here. I think it was absolutely worth the wait. I mean, I think it's, it's just a wonderful book and, and it, you can be as simple as if you are a Dan Klaus fan, you'll love this book. Um, but keeping in mind that you do have to be in a certain mindset. Like if you just want to feel good comics in the moment, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit there and read Monica right now. It's a little, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more serious than that, but, uh, but I was in the right mood. And I think that, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here today and tell you like where I think it fits in the pantheon of his works, but, but I think it was an excellent, excellent addition to his very uh, incredible bibliography. Give me a couple of weeks. Yeah. I just yeah. don't under, understand the the readers that can bring home a stack on any given day and just mm-hmm. plow through, say, you know, uh, a big two book and then read Monica and then read um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then um, something else from just insert alt comics person here like to shift uh your perceptions or your your mindset in tandem with whatever it is you're reading taking into account where your head is at at the time like you you've just read um i don't know just say the hulk right mm-hmm. and, and now you've got to read monica like it's those things that it's like watching citizen kane to use a you know a often used example of a great movie and then put on wayne's world like they're two different things it, it requires a different part of the your 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 being to appreciate both of them i'm not saying one is better than the other but they're just two different examples of work in a medium right so I, I i need i need something that just levels me off and lets me just uh, remove myself from the work and then go into it when the the you know the noggin is ready for it so yeah i i i it just i think it's awesome that people can do that but yeah i can't I can't, you know me. I just, I need, I have to prepare the room. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I don't know, I, but I'm going to get to it. It's, it's, it's on the list. I, I have it. I just, yeah. I need to, I need to tune myself to the experience. I know we've sung their praises many, many times over the years, but I just, Phantom Graphics is so incredible. Um, and, and not necessarily because of any, like, it gets back to what we were saying earlier. It's just Fanographics finds a way to give us comics that are different than other things that we can get. And I think that's their, that's their special sauce. And it's almost impossible for me to believe that anyone could love everything the Fanographics puts out. That's that, so yeah. varied. Yeah. But yeah. it's also impossible for me to believe that if someone's open-minded and is looking for unique experiences that they couldn't find things they love in Fanographics right. catalog. More, I think Fanographics, I will agree with you. I think Fanographics is incredible, but more so back in the day than now, because I think 
they are they have a lot of output these days and i think their hit to miss ratio is much more um is much lower now than it was i mean it may it may baffle you and surprise you but i think like yes they do have their their monsters and their fan and their their monicas and those books that just seem to click and their hanselmans right but like with fanographics underground and stuff they put out a lot of product and and just i mean i'm 100 percent honest a lot of it's not good it's just different it's 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 just uh, the I look at my shelves and and I have a shit ton of fanographics books. A lot of them are just just weird, odd, um, outsider stuff that mm-hmm. just for the sake of it, you know. And it's I, these people need an outlet. I get it, and I and I, I respect it and admire it. But I, I I look at the 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 fanographics spread in the previews, and I'm thinking, okay, how much of this stuff? Do I really want to read? Like, yeah, this looks strange and odd, but is it going to be any different than the strange and odd thing I read from them last month? Mm. Other than coming from a different voice, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I, I think their saving grace for me is the the consistency of the Disney product. You can always find something at Fanographics worth reading because they're of the archival editions of the Disney the Disney characters and the the quote newer or more contemporary stuff that they've been putting out that's a a, a surety when it comes to fanographics for me but then when i get into the underground stuff i'm like yeah, that that's that's not doing anything for me why do i want to read that so but they do continue to put out remarkable work it's just that i think they put out so much work that the number of remarkable things is lower than the stuff that's just off the beaten path and odd. Am I a curmudgeon? I don't know. I don't know. But when you look at the stable of Fantagraphics books going back a few years, like it was all landmark, legendary stuff. Almost to a book where it was just masterpiece stuff from amazing creators like Woodring and Los uh, Brothers Hernandez and, and Klaus and stuff. Like, it was like, holy crap, how could one publisher publish all this stuff? And now with the, the other stuff, like, I okay, I, I get Johnny Ryan and I like his stuff, but, you know, is it comparable to any of those creators I just mentioned? No, not really. I love Prison Pit, but is it is it... Love and Rockets level? Like, what is? Right? I don't know. Maybe I'm jaded. I just think that they're putting out way too much stuff now where in the past it, it seemed to be more curated with a more discerning eye, whereas now it's like, yeah, your shit's weird. We'll, we'll put it out. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Well, one, like you said, they label that stuff it's distinctive. It's 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 underground, right? It's it's fanographics underground. So it's it's like they're not kind of like mishmashing at all. They are saying this is a different type of thing. Sure. So, um, but I don't know. I'm sitting here looking at the stuff they put out in the last three years, and I'm seeing banger after banger myself. So I'm like, I'm not sure I'm with you because I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like it's it's pretty ridiculous. I think I think their output's. Well, I mean, I have like I said, I have a bunch of fanographics books that were good. 
but I don't think they're on a level of their great stuff. I don't Iowa think Monsters. In... Yeah. Crisis Zone. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't put them as great books? You'd yes, I would. Like... No, I would. I would definitely well, those put are them. like in the last two years. But I could, like, I can't rattle off titles because if I, unless I bring up my list of ordered books that I, like, but, but there was like, like, what was it? Goblin Girl or whatever. That was good. Uh, but it wasn't, it, it was, it was just, it was just good. Like it wasn't right. like holy shit, this is amazing. Like that's what you walk away from from those books you mentioned. That you read Crisis Zone, it's like holy shit, this guy's magic. But I think those those books are few and far between. I just um, let me see. Let me. I see. don't know, dude. Um, all right. I'm, I mean, now you got okay. Spa loved it. Crisis Zone. I mean, again, I'm not. Spa a was fan. good, but it was it was just good. Like did that? Can't agree there. Oh, Monsters, God. Ephemera. Men I Trust. My favorite thing is Monsters is an all-timer. Uh, Garden of Flesh, and speaking of Hernandez, Dog Biscuits was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, phenomenal? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. One Beautiful Spring Day, Woodring's book was incredible. Ultrasound is going to be on tons of 11 O'Clockers this list this year, including my own. Didn't like uh, it. Okay, well, I mean, maybe you're just, yeah, like you want to read Symbiotes. That's cool, and that's cool. Like, you're not in the right vibe. It's different. Oh, my uh, God. No, I'm saying, like, like I mean, it's, again, it's just a different vibe. I mean, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Blubber was a blast. Another Hernandez but, book. Yeah, you're talking about the, the t- tried and true creators here. Katie Skelly, My Pretty Vampire. Uh, no. I mean, sure. No. I loved it. Okay, I loved it. Loved it. Um, I mean... I, Dude, I, I mean, I can like, keep going, but I'm just saying, like, the Star Seeds books. Okay, yeah. Uh, Globitz is great. Yes. Yes. Um, Keeping Two was great. I'm just going through the what list. What is that? Here. Keeping Two? I don't know what that is. Okay. Well, I talked Who about did it? Show. Talked about the show. That's cool, though. Oh, yeah. Like, you listen to everything I say. <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Crane did it. Jordan Crane did it. Yeah. Uh, no One Else. Art Hugo Johnson's one that he did to follow up. That was great. Uh, Why Art? Eleanor Davis. Phenomenal. Um, it, it was okay. Oh my god, dude! Boys Club, Matt Fury, phenomenal. I like Matt's work. I, yeah, it's how good. to make a monster. Casanova Frankenstein's autobio, dude. The the Mulo repair books, Olympia. I mean, Olympia was fucking great, dude. I don't know if I would say it was effing great. It was good. Oh, you're crazy. Grand Odalisk was phenomenal. I mean, like, see again. Like I think that one you almost, talked about. Almost all the, these, almost all these books are like to me the best books I've read in the last five years. Like, so but the I, one, I, the I, one you talked about about the the art thieves or whatever. Yeah, that's Olympia. Yeah, it was okay. It was good. It, it was phenomenal. Okay, dude, Nathan Caldry crash site. All right, man. You, you, I'm not. I'm you not saying the living that. Living no, that, I'm not saying those that, works that are not worth reading. Venom worlds. Do you? you do I'm just again. Why do you have to disparage those books? <laughs> the, no, the, I just think like you're saying like all of this. There's too. It's just ironic to me that you're saying Fanagram is putting out too much stuff that dilutes the quality of what they're doing, and then you talk about Marvel every week. Like Marvel puts it 120 books a month, and these, 110 of them suck dick. These publish. Why do you got to get like that? These publishers do what they do. I my fanographics again. I I don't know how to justify this. I, I just think <laughs> it's 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 like when you're online and somebody says they like something. Somebody says, "Yeah, it was okay." And like, what do you mean it was okay? It was it was more than okay. It changed my friggin' world. That's your perspective. You can't. 
you can't demean a person for not having the same feelings about a work that you do. Get it? Like I, I'm, I'm a hundred. I'm a, just overjoyed that you're finding joy in all of this fanographic stuff. I love the publisher. They're one of my top publishers, but they're they haven't been clicking with me as strongly as they have in the past. That's all. I'm not saying that they're not worth reading. <sighs> we gotta steer you. We gotta get you back. We gotta steer you back. Okay. I yeah. Great. I'm there. I'm there. Now they have put out some bad stuff too. Like, don't get me wrong. I and skipped what, over some bad books. Is there, what were what were the bad books? Golden Boy was terrible. The one about Beethoven. I, I find it. I find it very curious that you intentionally omitted some. In, in no, your... I was saving it. I was saving it for you. I'm going <laughs> to okay. give you some bad ones. Metax was terrible. Yes. 100... Man in Furs. Man in Furs was like okay, but it, it was wasn't okay. What I hoped it would be. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'm just. I'm just being fair. I was. I was fucking with you there. But I'm going to be fair. Uh. I. I didn't think Red Ultramarine was very good. Um, just uh, see if I skipped over any others, but like there were some definitely there were some other praised ones that I thought were like, eh. Let me see here. Uh, where's where's your the, list? Send me the link. No, I'm just looking at fanographics. I'm just clicking through their, oh. their pages. I didn't read Songy in Paradise, but I remember you saying you weren't that right. You weren't. Were you not too into that? I didn't read it, so I can't speak to that one. Oh, Aqua Atlantic. We neither of us liked that very much. Not at all. Yes. Didn't like that, yeah. Um, I didn't see, like Fors, Forsman's, uh, the last one he did, the I'm not okay with this, didn't like that. Yeah. But but they have Hanselman. Hanselman right. is one of my guiding lights, right? Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, not, I'm definitely not burning the house down on fanographics. It's just... I mean, you're pouring the gasoline on the, near the foundation. Now I think you're ready to light it up. No, I'm not. I love fanographics. We're gonna have fisticuffs when fanographics is my publisher of the year in two months. Uh, and <laughs> hey, if if that's that's what uh, you know is your choice, that's your choice, right? Flayed corpse wasn't very good. Is that Josh Simmons? Yeah. Now see, I like that. Well, yeah. I I just thought it was I guess I was hoping it was better. Yeah, I like, be, that. I like I was I like hoping that for more. Lot. There you go. Yeah, I got to read some Hanselman. Uh, and again, I thought Lure was terrible. Lure was bad. Yeah, we both yeah. agreed that was bad. Yeah, yeah. but I, I did, don't think they're great with the sci-fi. I think they need to stay away from the sci-fi. I think the last Ben Mara book was not good. Oh, the um, the disciples. Disciples didn't. Yeah. I didn't enjoy that. Nah, I'm with you there. That was that fell real flat. Um, the uh, what was it? Um, uh, slash them all. Didn't get it. I know you like that. No, I, no, I thought that was pretty flat too. I thought it was that average. Was, I thought the because I read them. I think I read them at the exact. I read those both in the same week, and I thought, oh, Godhead. I didn't think it was very good. The sequel, right. whatever that was, Godhead Volume Two, whatever it was, it just right. came out. O.G. Anderson. I love. I didn't, like, I didn't like the original Godhead either. So, like, I love Megan Kelso, but I had read a lot of those Artichoke stories as they were coming out, so I don't consider that a quote new book. But it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 it, it was good. Um, uh, I don't like the Cloven. Uh, yeah, 
the seed, whatever. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. They, but the point being, they have a their catalog is. is I very, can't speak to whether what the size of the catalog is now versus like ten years ago. Because like ten years ago, I was playing catch up, reading all the bangers that right. I never read. It just seems like they have three pages every previews. And yeah, 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 some of it is is taken up. So much up. of that is reprint, though. Right, the Disney stuff. Yeah. But that that's my my comfort zone. So yeah. No, I don't even. I mean, like, so much of that is resolicit. Like, like more than half the stuff they have in previews every month is like stuff they've already solicited before, and they're having they're bringing it back to your attention. Right. Anywho, Fantagraphics rules. They do. They rule hard. <clears throat> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this. We hope you come back next time. Remember, if you want to save big on omnibus editions, trade paperbacks, graphic novels, I'm going to kill you. Go away. My son is here. Sorry. Oh, Vinny Beats. Yeah. Yeah. Big dude. He's got a shirt that says Big Dude. There's That's not there's is not there arrow pointing down? there's not truth in advertising there. Uh, <laughs> all you gotta do is go to cheapgraphicnovels.com because you will save on all that stuff. Remember, reply to the confirmation email saying eleven o'clock comics told me to come here and save. And Max will wave the magic wand of savings, boink, right in the forehead, and you will get free shipping on your next order. Very simple. Also, if you would be so kind, come to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Audio, four hours, sometimes five hours of of audio that no one else gets to hear, delivered right to your device. Every month, video, pages, fanzines. You can join in on the book of the month. Let your voice be known. And the best part, the dedicated Slack channel. Jason talks about it all the time because he loves it. We all love it. Where we all gather every day just to talk about stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be comics. I mean, that's a major part of it. But we talk about everything. TV shows, books. There's a book club within the Slack that they gather every month to talk about a book they read. They have fun. We all have fun. Patreon They're engaged does. AF, too. Like It's a whole side part because none of the three of us really are involved in it. I wish I could. I just, like, who has that much time? No, I know. I mean, it's amazing to me the people that are in there that take the time to read at least one novel each month to talk about it. And they almost all read a ton of comics, too. I know. It yeah. just It's baffling. Like, do you not work? You got to work. Well, I think Larry wouldn't be a slacker anymore if it wasn't for the book club. I don't think he reads with comics anymore, but he, hey, man. Keeps but that's, that's the thing. Even yeah. people that have moved away from comics for the time being – they find something of value within the Slack group. That's true. That's wonderful. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. In your travels, I am aware that Jason's going to make fun of me, but guess what? I don't care. In your travels, I want you to read Carnage number one. <laughs> God, I love you so much. Written. I'm going to butcher this name, and I'm so sorry. Written by Torin Grunbeck. 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 Torin mm-hmm. Grunbeck. Art by Perry Perez. Color by Eric Arseniega. This is a new series. It picks up 
right after the end of Death of Venomverse. Now, I'm not going to go into what Death of Venomverse, like the complexities of it, but Carnage is popping across the multiverse, killing all the symbiotes. And as he does that, he extracts their power. The end, big spoiler, the end of Death of Venomverse, Carnage killed Null. So our boy, well, he's not Cletus Cassidy anymore. He's just, it's just the Carnage symbiote. Has now ascended to the level of godhood. So in this new Carnage series, he takes that quite seriously. Because he enters into this omnipotent city. It's called the Nexus of the Gods. And he kills, well he doesn't kill, but he maims the Lord Librarian and steals a black hole. The the Lord Librarian has a black hole in his staff. He steals the black hole staff thing, the power of it, and goes back to where it all began, Rikers Island. So he's in the cell in Rikers Island, and he consumes the prisoner there. Why? Why would he do that? Well, number one, because he's carnage. He likes to kill. But two, it's very biblical. He feels like a god should have an earthly counterpart. So what he does is he plums the depths of the, the symbiote codex and from memory, from having Cassidy as his host for so long, he regrows a Cletus. It's not Cletus, but for all intents and purposes, it is an organism that in every way resembles Cletus Cassidy. But it has all of Cassidy's memories, all of his feelings, all that shit, but it is a product of the god Carnage. It is his quote, son on earth. Like I said, very freaking biblical. And as a god, Carnage believes that he should have acolytes. He should be worshipped as the god he is. So he goes on this killing spree where he seems to kill people with biblical names. <laughs> Strange. It's I guess it's just an excuse to kill. But um, enters into the picture... Who do you think enters into the picture? Flash Thompson. Okay. Flash is down on his luck. He is uh, in the guise of the anti-venom. He's not dead anymore. He's in the guise of the anti-venom and he notices, he feels like something's up. That's just the entirety of the issue. But it, it really focuses on, one, Carnage's ascendancy to godhood and what he how he translates that into his actions and flash thompson's life sucks he's looking for something to occupy or to make his life worth living i guess and uh, he can't get drunk he's in a bar in this because of the symbiote he can't get drunk and he needs just something to just deaden the pain of existence and would you know it carnage pops up just at the right time so it's a whole bunch of killing a whole bunch of cletus um dap would not like this book it's just savagery it's just it's a massacre uh one of the shortcomings i think the the writer could have really hammered home the whole biblical angle was cletus is in a restaurant a diner and the 
um, waitress, her name is not Mary, but I think it should have been. Her name's Sarah or something. But she's talking to him about, you know, really deep stuff like belief. And, you know, he's he's going through the Bible and he's he's uh, remarking it in his current mindset. And uh, had her name been Mary, I think it would have been more appropriate to the storyline. That was just one missed opportunity. But I thought the issue was fun. Again, don't expect anything deep. Uh, Well, I think it's more deep than the average symbiote book because now we're talking about belief and worship. Um, But I do think that Marvel is um, writing themselves into a corner with Carnage because after you kill Null and you've extracted all, he can basically do anything. Where do you go from here? Like, where's Grunbeck going to take this story when now you have this character that's a god? What do you do next? I don't know. Maybe we're going to get a whole string of issues where a cult of carnage that's appropriate because marvel has a cult of carnage where these worshipers show up to do his bidding or uh, i don't know where the book is going to go but i think they should tread very lightly because after i mean you're writing a series about a god where do you take it from there we'll see right uh read carnage number one it's 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 sticky and messy and everything a Carnage book should be, and it has an Evil Dead 2 pastiche cover. Mmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I Big liked doings. it. I liked it. Uh, yeah, it, 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 like it. Yeah, it, it just, it, it scratched my itch that I continue to have for the, the symbiotes. So, yay. Yeah. Yay. Uh, travels. Um, a couple of things that I was going to that, that we're in the running for many travels are, are um all nearing the end so uh i'll go with the number one myself from marvel um written by Alyssa wong art by jan Basdua, and uh colors by brian valenza this is the new volume the new captain marvel ongoing um decided to check it out on a whim um art's great jan knows what they're doing um we have the um the return of the um of the negative bands in a captain marvel book uh and there's a villain that carol is fighting at the uh at the start of the issue goes by the name omen uh a winged goth shrike looking character uh and they uh omen kind of just like absorbs carol into this like black void and then they disappear so then we cut to um brooklyn where a, a young woman um by the name of Yume Yang is breaking into an apartment. Very many stores, stories above the ground. Um, she manages to get inside the apartment and she is looking for the negabands and they appear when 
Janice Vell and the Omen come crashing through the wall in a fight. What I found interesting is while Yuna is wandering around the apartment looking for what she's looking for, there is a um, a framed photo on the wall that says Rick and Marlo from 2020. And never see Rick, but uh, we see Janice doesn't do too well in this fight. Um, so Yuna ends up picking up the Negabands uh, and happens to swap places with Carol. Um, yeah, and, and then Carol again comes back to fighting the Omen uh, while having a conversation with Yuna, who, of course, is in the negative zone. Uh, that's all I'll say for now. The, uh, the There's a little bit of um, something interesting that happens with Janice at the end of the issue, so we'll see where it goes from there. But um, I kind of dig Yuna. Uh, as far as an introduction to a new character or, or first time for me to see her. Um, and uh, I'm, I was enjoying the, uh, the conversation between Carol and her new friend. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, this was pretty fun. I, I didn't know. I said after, after Kelly's run with the book, I wasn't sure where things were going to go with Carol. Uh, no, she's recommitted herself to the Avengers. Um, but uh, Alyssa threw it all in here with with uh, with more than one Marvel, um, and a uh, and a pretty she doesn't appear to be that much of a badass. But the way she uh, she handles herself against Carol and against uh, Janice Vell, the Omen seems to be um, pretty threatening. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll check out the second issue, see where we're going from there. But in your travels, Captain Marvel number one. What up, Danvers? Uh, shout out. Um, yeah, in your travels, it's the third thing that was on my list. And I knew that Vince didn't know anything about this yet because I don't think it'd be something he'd pre order. Um, this is called Boys Weekend, and it is written and drawn by Maddie Lubchansky. Uh, that name may be familiar to some. Maddie's a well known uh, satirist. Used to be one of the regulars on the nib. Um, and I don't, I think this might be Maddie's second OGN. Um, but it's the first that I've read of their work. Um, Maddie is a trans feminine person born a male, but tr- in the process of transitioning uh, to female. And the story is, um, the inspiration for it was actually based on an experience Maddie had uh, shortly after publicly acknowledging her transition. Um, she attended a bachelor party with her college male buddies and had to, as you might imagine, deal with some awkward and uncomfortable moments <clears throat> because her college friends, many hadn't seen her since those days. And uh, just it was it was probably understandably awkward, right? They, they, they didn't, I think really know how to handle it. And, uh, uh, anyway, she took inspiration from that and created this book. And I will say this is a tale of two books because 
beginning of the story is, is very much about that. Um, her being very nervous about, uh, she's been asked to be the best man, um, of the wedding of one of their good friends. And, uh, and yes, I say best man, because that's how she was asked to, could you, would you be my best man? And so she's very nervous about it, even though the groom is fully aware of her transition and accepting of it. Um, there's still the issue of pronouns and gender and accepting it and all of, and, and, and the groom and, and all of, uh, Maddie's other friends are still referring to Maddie as buddy or pal or guy or my dude, that kind of thing. Um, but she's determined to go on the bachelor trip because she doesn't want to lose connection with these people that she does hold dear, even if there is an awkwardness to it now. So she goes to the bachelor party and hijinks ensue and they go to a place. It's not Vegas. It's uh, it's called El Campo, which is a fictional uh, island that they go to that's off over uh, that that's uh, this super high tech ultra Vegas, if you will, anything goes type of a place. And they have a very debauch debauchery filled testosterone filled bachelor weekend that uh, she has to endure and handle in her own way. Um, and at first I'm reading it, I'm thinking like, okay, I mean, cool, like whatever. I mean, it's fine, but it, it, there wasn't really anything that was, gripping me in any meaningful way, but then shit gets weird. And Maddie totally wins me over in the second half because they're on this, they're at Al Campo and they're doing their thing. And it's all fairly predictable, the back and forth between them and the awkwardness between them. It's all kind of very predictable. But then while they're there also at the resort at the same time as a convention for what looks like a bunch of finance bros, but they're interacting more and more with them. And it turns out that this isn't a bunch of finance bros. They're a cult. And the cult is like converting people, including some of her homies. So over the course of this weekend, like all her homies basically get invasion of the body snatchers, like brainwashing to being part of this crazy cult. And then the cult is fucking a cult worshiping a Cthulhu like dark God. And so it goes from this like slice of life about what it's like to be trans in America today with a comedic bent into this crazy sci fi dark adventure where maddie becomes the heroine of the story trying to save the world from this dark god and like i said i mean i'm reading it and thinking okay it's fun you know slice of life kind of been there done that before but but okay well executed into this crazy fun over the top fictional adventure with cthulhu vibes and so uh kudos to maddie for taking me to a place i didn't expect partway through the book and uh, for my mind, really amping it up and making it a far more entertaining and memorable book. Um, Lubchansky's art style is very evocative of like Max Sarin from from Giant Days, um, that kind of vibe. Um, and I think it works really well with this story, which is this over the top stuff and, and and really emotive faces and humor. So a really fun work. Um, really glad I read it, and uh, a very a dark horse for one of the better comedy graphic novels of the year. Um, so Maddie Lubchansky's uh, Boys Weekend. And the publisher is Pantheon. Pantheon. Nice. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right, everybody. Here's the drill. Thanks for listening. Get yourselves to a comic book shop. Buy some comics or online. That's cool. Just get them wherever you get them. Talk about them. Love them. Come back next week because chances are we'll probably be talking about them too. Do yourself yourselves. That's right. Do yourself a solid and say good night.
<clears throat> oh, David. And oh. while we're waiting for him to do that, we have business, Vince. You forgot about the business. I did forget about the business. We'll get to it. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, boy. Starting from scratch. Nice. David. And December's book of the month is World Without End. John Higgins. That's business number one. Jimmy Delano. Yes. I have nice. that I have that bound. Custom bound. Oh nice. Really? Yeah. Well, well I guess the, that speaks to how much you must have, you must be a fan of it then. I, I do love it, yes. I've never read it. I'm very excited to read it. Yep. Um what else business do we have, Vince? Well, it's that time of year. We're getting close to the end of 2023. And you know what that means? We need to switch out our album art on everything we release. So, this is what we do. We float it on out there. Any creative types that want to throw their aesthetic hats into the ring and produce an album art for us... We would love to accept it, and you're in the running. We, we we do a little contest, little thing, where we take all the submissions and we have people vote on them, and then we 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 weigh our, sorry, we weigh our choices, and the winner gets to represent Eleven O'clock Comics on every little piece of audio thing we release for the entire year. Plus, we pimp your work, and maybe you'll get some other work out of it. Who knows? I'm not in- making this very enticing, but it's a thing. We have a contest, and we hope you submit something. Here's the only restriction. has to be square format, 300 DPI. So you want to do 4x4, 6x6, 8x8. I don't care. As long as it's 300 DPI, and I can successfully translate it to a JPEG in terms of resolution. Got to be clear. Got to be crisp. And you'll be a star. 11 o'clock comic star joining the ranks of many luminaries who have preceded you. Damn straight. Yep. It's a fun thing. It is. We've had some incredible logos over the years. And also, one final piece of business. The 11 o'clockers fast approaches. We are a month away from the year end, which means you have read 11 twelfths of what you're going to read this year, give or take. So, um, many people get overwhelmed by the 30-plus categories and feel like they don't know what to do. So, you don't. the good news is you don't need to answer all at once. It's not a test. You can go to our website, 11oclockcomics.com. DAP has created a handy-dandy tab right at the top left. It will take you to the ballot. It's a Google form, uh, and you can fill it out. If you use your email address, at least a real email address that you can retrieve, um, it will allow you to, it'll save your work. So you can go in and if you just read the manga that you're sure is going to be your favorite manga, you go in and just fill that in for your favorite manga of the year. And it'll be there when you come back. And then if you're going to do some catch up, but the point is you can do a piecemeal. You can change your answers until we close the balloting, which we won't do until like mid January when it's time to do the show itself. But, uh, please do go there. And as we did last year, and when we did this last year, they weren't a sponsor, but now they are. We have a uh, we have a a prize uh, powered through cheapgraphicnovels.com, uh, and it will be a gift certificate to that fantastic website 
And the uh, winner will be a random drawing from someone who submitted a ballot that I view as complete. And I define that as at least 25 categories. If you fill out 25 categories, it's a complete ballot. And we will pick a winner on the episode itself, and that person will get the gift certificate. And the amount you get is directly correlated to the number of you that participate. So it maxes out, uh, I believe, at uh, $100, I think. I should look at that. I don't have it in front of me, but um, but I believe it maxes out at a hundred dollars, and uh, it's it's certainly going to be no less than fifty dollars. But uh, yeah, you can you can you can win good prizes. You can win. I believe last year's person bought an Omniboo with their winnings. Yeah, so. you can win great prizes. Hundred bucks. Absolutely. Yeah, goes a long way at cheapcraftsnovels.com. On a, on a good day, it's two Omniboo for hundred bucks at Cheap Craft Novels. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so please do. We'll remind you periodically over the coming weeks to uh, check out the ballot. But uh, yep, it's right on the website now. You can't miss it. So, FYI, we have a Marvel Orama this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we. Got- you mean you have a Marvel? Oh no, Dad's talking about. Okay, yeah, come on. I play fair. Two is an Orama. You see, they put out a nonsense, a, a, a night, a nightcrawler origins book this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, X Men uh, Blue, uh, Blue X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't read it yet. Um, from what I've been seeing, the reception is not positive. It's not been good. No. <laughs> no. Well, they didn't do themselves any favors with that solicit. It's so true, dude. Yeah. Instant collector's item. All right. <laughs> so. Come on, that was the the the. Standard back in the day, everything was an back instant... in the day. But then yes. maybe they're trying to to you know pilot the wayback machine and make everybody feel like you know they don't mean it's an instant collector's item. But Stan used to that's what Stan used to say. Mm. Come on, what yeah, other books was called the world's part. greatest comic magazine? When Stan said it, it was like Punk coming to AEW. When <laughs> when I read that solicit, it's like Punk coming to WWE. <laughs> Same words. Much different. Didn't he say yeah. hell froze over or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, they did. Like, yeah. No, he, yeah, over, he yeah. was like, he, he basically said the same exact things he said when he came to AEW, only we know he's lying this time, so it sounded very false. <laughs> there was a couple guys in my class that were like, you know, riffing on it. And I'm, I'm thinking, how long until he does something stupid again and leaves? Six to nine months. Yeah. No, I'd say uh, he'll get through WrestleMania because they, 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 I'm sure they like signed him to do, like, from all accounts, he's going to wrestle Seth the, Rollins for the yeah, title. Yeah, the, the rumor. Yeah, so. uh, the first night is just yeah. the rumor. So after that, no, all bets are off. Right. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make money. Yeah. Good outlook, well, dude. You're, here. you're definitely good at that, bro. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. You're you're, don't worry about making friends. <laughs> and I know, it, I know, I shouldn't care, but it drives me nuts when these jabrones all talk about how they think Punk doesn't look like he's in shape enough to be a wrestler. I'm like, whatever, man. I'm like, dude, can we go through the history of wrestling? Like, <laughs> like go back and look at like, listen, Ric Flair is the greatest ever. Rick was never a fucking Adonis dude. Yeah. Like, like no. Dusty Rhodes. Like, like Arn what? Anderson Dusty, was a exactly. fat. Exactly. Was a Wahoo fat. Yep. Dusty Rhodes was always a, dis- I mean, not only was he fat, but he had like those like, Bad hair, like the, the, the pustules. Oh, and yeah, the perm. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Dude, you know, pustules. My God, he did. He had like, like, like growths on his belly. It's like, I'm not grappling that guy. He's got something fucking living yeah, on him. No so way. You get pus on you if you wrestle him. <laughs> Gross. Just yeah, just lay down and pin me. Um, 
<laughs> you know, I mean, again, like, I get it. Like, look, would it be cool if Punk was built like Randy Orton? Yeah, sure. But, like, it's not like Punk's a, like, a, like a puss, though. Like, yeah, but come on. Punk's, like, what, like, six foot? Like, probably, like, what, like, 200 pounds? Like, he's, like, in real That's life, I don't think he'd be, like, yeah. like he Very be, like, few like, guys are built like Randy. Especially right now. He just came back from, like, a two-year injury. He, he looks like a god of it. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right, everybody, we love you so much that they, meaning David and Jason, are going to tell you right now. So much. We really do, and, and I'm, I'm going to show you how much I love you soon because it's almost December, and that means it's time for the EOC video advent calendar. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> you know, to your credit. I don't know what I'm talking about. From December 1st through December 25th, just like an awesome chocolate-filled advent calendar, I will do a video for the patrons. Every day. Very good. And it will vary from maybe a middle cool place to an Ask Me Anything to like a top five list about something random, like my top five favorite Tabasco sauces. Who knows? It's whatever comes to mind. There's no plan. <laughs> I don't ever have like a... Yeah, because... Yeah, I don't map out the stuff right. So it might be like me pulling out a bunch of unopened toys from the from the closet that I'm never going to display and show them to you because I need to do something with them. It could be pulling out a random subject matter from my, my collection and saying, here's all of my Black Panther commissions. Who knows? It's whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because whenever I think Jason Wood, I think Tabasco sauce. That's it. Yeah, just, that's my point. I'm trying to. You, you I keep, get it. People keep guessing. You never know. Yeah, yeah. I will say the smoky or smoked Tabasco is freaking delicious. There it is. Vinny brought that home earlier, uh, maybe two weeks ago, and it is. We put it on everything. I may, you know, I am compelled now. Though we threw this, out, I may have to do a video about like my top ten condiments. Condoms. Condiments. Condiments. Oh, there you go. Fun, fun. You know what? What I was going to say before was, to your credit, you have never completed an Advent string of videos and say, "Man, I'm never doing that fucking thing again." That was just too much. You've you've always just Christmas, right? You've always just weathered it. You do it. You have fun with it, and then you move on. Yeah, love the Christmas, man. Yeah. Well. Yep. And inject some Hallmark into your life. You would love it more. I love the Hallmarks. I don't. I don't watch them nearly as much as you and Beth do. But but I've never seen a Hallmark I didn't like. They're just. I mean, they're incredibly formulaic. But they're they're they you know they they hit the spot. Oh, there's some shitty ones. Yeah. I mean, you know, like well, I mean, based on long if you're like if you're like yeah uh, if you're like Jason, you have to watch five Hallmarks or read Symbio comics. I'm not watching Hallmarks all day. <laughs> Somebody Unless it's a it. toxin book, then I'll read that. Because <laughs> toxin's where it's at. That's it for that one.